Welcome once again to Cult Following, a podcast brought to you by people who love movies, watch them, and sometimes talk about them in podcast form. We're explorers in the deepest reaches of film, celluloid, and VHS, angels to some, demons to others, but these four Cenobites are here to tell you everything you know about film is wrong, or right, depending on whether you agree with us or not. I am one of your four hosts for this occasion, Victor Moreno, along with Joshua T. Ruth. It's me, Joshua. <laughs> Kirby Nelson. And Jasperino. Skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> yes. Uh, bringing it back to the after dark. Yeah, yeah. In this episode 61 of Cult Following, we're going to talk some a little bit about what we've been watching of late, and we're going to do a little bit of a directorial retrospective on Edgar Wright, whose film Baby Driver just came out this past weekend. A bunch of us saw it, and we really liked it. We're going to chat a little bit about that, but we're going to chat about some of his earlier work as well, which you may or may not be familiar with. Before we get into all that, we just want to tell you guys, if you enjoy what you're listening to, feel free to tell your friends, subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, or find us at our website, cultfollowing.co, and we always have cool film reviews there, and if you really like what's going on, and it helps us out a lot, Give us a review on there, iTunes. So find us at Cult Following. So let's get started, you guys. We're going to start on Jasper. What have you been watching yo, yo, yo. lately? Well, I was lucky enough to have a four-day weekend uh, oh, this past nice. weekend. So. Lucky jerk. I did a lot lucky of catching ducky. up. Well, not catching up. I actually did a lot of visiting of things that I'd been meaning to delve into and just never did. Um Finally saw Get Out. Yeah, all right, okay. Got that VOD on a Voodoo. Well worth the rental price of it. Um, yeah, totally so you liked it? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, totally, You, I would agree with the rest of you uh, on my top five list of best movies of the year so far. Really, uh, I said it before, it starts out very Hitchcock and ends up very Bradbury, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... Uh, Cool, cool stuff. If you want, uh, if you want stuff to talk about on an in-depth level with somebody, both of you guys watch Get Out, and then you can have a conversation with your friends about it because it's definitely intellectual uh, type of movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you haven't seen it already, Jasper, you should check out that article that I wrote for the site. Like that talks about all the stuff, like the Easter eggs. And, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean it's very spoilery, so if you haven't seen it, definitely watch the movie first. But yeah, you can check it's that also out. Very exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it is. I, I didn't actually seen it until recently. I must have missed it when it was first posted. I mean it is it is a lot. I yeah. mean it's very informative. Definitely worth checking yeah. out. And I didn't even put in everything that he yeah. mentioned. I mean I, I I only chose the highlights, but yeah, I mean there's just like as far as the history of what's going on and I won't spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen it, but yeah, Jasper, check it out cuz there's some Well, it's funny. I was saying that about um the episode we just did where we talked about uh the bad batch was there was so much symbolism in that movie and I I felt like we talked about it so much we never even touched on that i felt like we could have had a whole other hour conversation on that oh yeah just on the symbolic stuff that was oh yeah in the movie so yeah i dig that kind of stuff oh speaking of which i did watch the uh awake this time version of <laughs> or the last uh part of xx oh yeah i'm still not 100 percent sold on that i get exactly where it's coming from 
And that's what I thought we were getting out of the Rosemary's Baby and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff thing. Uh, it's, oh, it, but it is, that's it. It is still You just really triggered me. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about now. Yep. <laughs> yes. There you go. Oh, but, crap. But it was, um, I just, I mean, like I said, I watched it half asleep the first time. And right. it, I probably cursory remember it or something. But man, when I like watched it again, I was like, I'm going to really keep an eye out for this this right. time. But I, I, that's still the definite standout of that uh, anthology. Oh, it, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. What else have you been watching, Jasper? Uh, I finally saw Star Trek Beyond, which I had not caught yet, which I was a little ashamed to admit because uh, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Um, I kind of enjoyed it. It was all right. It's uh, I kind of see the series going into the uh, path that the old series have all gone down movie-wise where we're just getting um, long episodes Right. Uh, you know, it's just like a long episode type of deal. I, I will know. say this, like, Star Trek Beyond is probably the first one of the three that actually felt, like, very Star Trek to me. Yeah, it did. If it was very colorful, it kind of felt, and I think that's what they were going for, right? It's like like an episode of the old series. Yeah. Um, and I liked that. I mean, it was it was not as self-serious. Um, there's still a lot of kind of, I mean... What what was going on with Idris Elba's villain? Like, I mean, it's like they didn't really explain that that well. It's like, yeah, he was kind of part alien, but used to be. I mean, whatever. But why? You know, like that's what I kept yeah. saying. It's well, like that was like why a was very he all Star Trek the original series? Yeah, like, and it was villain. like why is he all fucked up and now he's not? Right. And yeah. It, it was I a mean, little... they explain it that he they was do, the but... captain of that original ship. That well, yeah, crashed, I got that, but and that he had to like keep adapting putting stuff in his DNA from the yeah. creatures there to survive. Right. You know, and they had lots of villains like that in the very in the original series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't right. seen it yet, so thanks for the uh, oh, gas, but that's me. okay. Trust no, it's me. all right, because matter. it is, I mean, the uh, the the uh, school of writing Star Trek scripts <laughs> yeah. in any of the last 50 plus years pretty much follows the same formula. Well, you know, the interesting thing was, like, Simon Pegg actually wrote the script for Star Yeah, Trek I saw that. Yeah. It was really cool. It, right? Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. he did, like, rewrites on it. Yeah. And it was like, you know, yeah, and to me, it's like, you can really see it there, and it's like... I like how he kind of wrote himself like a big part. Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, oh, look, Scotty's actually very proactive in this movie. But I think that's the thing. I mean, I grew up in a... My father was one of the first Trekkies in, like, 66, 67. I mean, he had, like, the original shirt, and, like, you know, I mean, my I grew up in it, and it's it's something I enjoy, but it is one of those things where it is very cookie-cutter. Like a lot of the, and the reason I think a lot of the episodes work well that stand out as opposed to the movies is because you can do it a lot better in a concentrated half hour than trying to. It gets pretty thin after an hour and a half, two hours. Like I personally just didn't think any of the Star Trek, the new Star Trek films, were particularly amazing. I enjoyed them, but didn't I found them forgettable? And I really didn't like, you know, the next gen ones. I mean, before Enterprise, First Contact, I just like because. Wait, you're talking about like you're saying like you don't think like Wrath of Khan was that good? No, 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 no. I'm talking, you're talking about the next. Generation. I'm talking about the next oh, gen yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're going back. And I in the original Star Trek films, I, I think they're all good, but they're not. I mean, I have my favorites personally, and it's just. But it for me, it's just like it is that half nostalgia, half. Yeah. And, like, this is the better movie, but this is the one well, I enjoy more. Well, one of more. the things they're doing more now that I actually kind of appreciate is a lot of times when they do revival screenings of Wrath of Khan, 
they usually put the space seed episode beforehand. That's oh, that's cool. Because cool. yeah. then that way you're getting story. the context. Yeah. Because Wrath of Khan, it's a strong movie, but I really think you need to know who Khan is in order to really get that. I can only imagine having been like a fan of the original show and then going to see Wrath of Khan. Like, yeah. that'd be incredible. Um, and I just want to say, since we're on the subject of Star Trek, like, I freaking love star trek the motion picture and i'm sick of people saying this is terrible and all the odd movies suck like star trek motion picture is <laughs> awesome it's an awesome movie seriously go back and rewatch it the only good part about that movie is when uh every part they say they well, say Viger wants to meet god and mccoy goes he's in for one hell of a disappointment <laughs> I, DeForest kelly i think really is the guy who makes those movies oh, yeah. because oh, sure. he's just like he really found a good personality for for McCoy, and it's kind of like that I don't give a fuck thing, right? You know, when, when he first shows up in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, he's got like a big old beard, and he's wearing yeah. like a medallion. Yeah. He's bitching <laughs> about getting beamed in. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but seriously, but I that mean, is, but that's part of the, the chemistry between uh, uh, Shatner, Nimoy, and right. Horace Kelly is part of the magic both the original series and those films i just and think it, that that first movie though man like there are things that it does i mean it's paced like 2001 a space odyssey and it gets all this shit all the time but like i love those scenes where they're like going into V'ger's like planet and it's just like slow like spock like going through this crazy huge ship and it's everything. incredibly dated it's well no no, no. I, don't, I don't think it's dated but i think josh hit on the point much like now when uh you know, all the World War Two movies looks like Saving Private Ryan. Right. At the time, 2001 was the visual vocabulary for Correct. doing a Stark, for doing yeah. a space yeah. sci-fi movie. I mean, I guess, like, you know, again, like, my favorite movie is Blade Runner, but yeah. maybe that's why, because I feel that, you know, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, Star Trek The Motion Picture, they're these movies that are paced so slowly and methodically and kind of hypnotically yeah. um, that I just think, I think that movie gets a bad rap. I mean, I'll totally give you part three and part five are real pieces of crap, <laughs> but, like, straight up, like, I really think The Motion Picture is fantastic. I hate, I, I'm gonna get probably stoned by the audience and half of you guys for saying this but you just named three movies that i think are the most unrewatchable movies Wait, which, ever which made. Are these three star movies? trek the motion picture uh-huh. 2001 a space odyssey and blade runner it takes and i hate saying that in front of you guys it's but okay, it's okay oh my god i can understand here's the thing I, like, I, and you you know I, i've watched them all more than one time right but if i'm sitting around my house i'm like i'm gonna put a movie in though those are not gonna be on a list that i'm gonna put in because well, maybe because they are so methodical i don't know I, but like, here's wow the thing. i really like <laughs> star trek the motion picture because i really think i feel like 2001 was a very big influence especially at the end when the captain decides to go off with the right. drone that totally. looks like um Aaliyah. yeah is that what her name yeah, is Aaliyah, yeah yeah but even the fact that Viger can make humanoids is like whoa this is like a huge thing that no other star trek like uh, villain or thing they run into has ever been able to do yeah really well i mean and the idea i think that's such a strong idea is the fact that 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 the voyager probe went out there and its directive was to learn mm-hmm. and then it ended up meeting some kind of a of a really you know like advanced technological yeah. thing and they merged and essentially that's what it's doing is yeah. that it's it's continually trying to learn and it's doing that by absorbing everything and trying to turn it into 
data. Um, And it's just like, it's big ideas. And that's something that I feel the newer Star Trek movies have gotten away from. They've become adventure films, but they're, they're not doing those big ideas anymore. On the devil's advocate side, I could also say that like, you know, you could say like, Oh, the reason that that the motion picture is so much like, 2001 is because they kind of ripped it off and V'ger is like sure. their altruistic version I can totally of how 9000. Right, right. You know, because that's one way to look at it. And the motion picture didn't do tremendous at the box oh, office per its budget. And that's why Wrath of it was Khan after is Star- an It was after movie. Star Wars. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Everybody wanted a Star Wars movie. It's funny because that's what we have now yeah. with and the new Star Trek. Yeah, that's what It's that Star Wars redefined the visual language. Right, right. And Wrath of Khan is way more of like a like a, like an adventure film. Yep. And it was set up to end everything. That's why Spock dies. And actually, actually that's why Part 3 sucks because they didn't mm-hmm. think they were going to... They were filling in gaps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. One of big part two is is Victor reference too with Wrath of the Khan was is that you know at this point in time there is only the original series so that's your main fan yeah. base and those who watched it in syndication read the Gold Key comics you know the animated series I mean that's the whole whole of the Star Trek property I mean besides a few odds and ends right yeah, so the motion that, picture was a lot of fan yeah. service so you you really only have like you know limit I mean but bringing back you know Khan and that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm trying to say. For me, it's like, I think the episodes work better than the films, period. Even though, obviously, a lot of episodes are terrible in all the series oh, yeah. and the whole of Voyager. But I... Uh, that's <laughs> I mean, not the whole Oh, I, I, I think Voyager's just garbage. I still think to this day... I mean, there's, there's a, a, well, a few standout I'll, I'll episodes, but... Well, I'll say this much. I think just... Voyager, like, the idea behind Voyager is solid. Like, you know, that it's like... This Starfleet ship gets lost out there with these, like, Jem'Hadar Starfleet traders. Right. The Maquis. Yeah, the Maquis. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that should have been, like, there should be conflict in every episode. But then it just, like, fell into being a Star Trek that, show I mean. way too easily. And they did realize that eventually. But then they decided to fix that by bringing in Seven of Nine. And then it just became yeah. the horny teenage right. boy. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I mean is, is that... <laughs> D Space Nine ended so brutally, like the whole Gemma Dar thing. It's awesome. No, but what I mean is that's why I love about yeah. it is it went down such a dark path. And I mean, and D Space Nine is like next gen. It's there. The first couple seasons are horrible. I disagree with that. Oh. I think I think the emissary, the, the pilot, is incredible. No, no, no. But you know what I mean. There, there. It got it way took, better. It as took it went a along. long yeah. time for it to find itself. It doesn't right. mean that there aren't standout episodes, but as a whole. I'm, I really would have a hard time saying either of those first seasons were really great. And that's, but it, it, everything finds itself. I would say the same thing. My all time favorite show is The Simpsons. And while the first couple seasons have yeah. great episodes, they're a little rough. Yeah. It, they're yeah. really, it's not just rough animation. It's, there's people who always say, I love those episodes because they're so innocent. And I said, that was its problem. It didn't have to go full on South Park or Family Guy or anything. What it did was it found its own identity and voice yeah. by the third season, You're and right. that's when yeah. it started working. Third season is really where it started, yeah, exactly. like seriously hitting and its stride. Yeah, think that that's first season, find. the animation was just Oof, yeah. oh my god, yeah. sandpaper to your eyes. Right, right after the uh, still on the Tracy Ullman tip. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, but there's well, some episodes early on in there, like the one with the family therapy with Doctor Marvin. Oh, that's oh great. That, was that was classic. great. Right. Yeah. Or like the one where like they're stealing cable to get the uh, Dredrick Tatum fight. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's classic episodes. I also think it's one of those things too where syndication. I saw so many of those episodes. It has worn thin for me. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, the um, 
and, and it's such a weird uh, it's funny we talked about in one of the last episodes here that the kind of star wars fandom and how people are so like excited that's the way i feel about star trek because i was always yeah. a bigger star trek fan than star wars yeah and it's just gone like i love both of them but it's like if you, you know people have asked that questions like if if uh, you can only choose one you know let's say that the other was struck from all existence and the other one you have everything i would always choose star trek every time just because of content yeah. like i mean star trek has gotten me through some really dark times in my life like star wars sure i love those movies and put them on but there have been times in my life when i've been like flat broke and like living on ramen that I've just like watched the entirety of Deep Space Nine and it's made me okay with life, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. No, I think that's... it's funny that you actually bring that up though, that what you were talking about, that difference between exploring ideas and adventure is, right. is that to me, Star Wars as a whole is just an adventure series. Agreed. It's just very um, basic. Yeah. Whereas Star Trek is has way more layers than... Uh, at its best, it does. Unfortunately, yeah. there's been a, not that much of that lately. It's like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was an awesome little uh, Star Trek rabbit hole, though. Yeah. What else have you been watching, Jasper? Well, the, uh, I will admit, there's, not to spoil it altogether uh, for Kirby, if you haven't seen it. but That's okay. You know that, well, Leonard Nimoy died, so they had to kill him all. Spoiler. Off. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. That makes sense. But um, the the current Spock gets all of his stuff, and there's a part at the end where oh, yeah. he's got like the little tablet, and he's holding it, and it's a picture of the old crew, but it's a picture of Shatner and Nimoy. It's the old crew in the really? old uh, uniforms, yeah. and um, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting on my bed. It was Monday, because I just watched a bunch of shit Monday, because I was home alone. Well, not alone, but Karen was at work. So I was basically free to watch anything I wanted, but I'm sitting there watching it, and uh, that part I teared up a little bit because yeah, he's yeah. staring at the picture of his feet, and I was like, "That's the actual old cast." Yeah, and I got a little emotional, yeah. and I, I will really... correct that because I'm going to get yelled at for this later. I did not watch that Monday; I watched it on Sunday with Karen. Yeah. She will yell at me for getting that wrong. I really yeah. was hoping you were actually going to say. I mean, that's an awesome reflection, but I was hoping it was going to be that the holographic Larry Nimoy they did the of the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> yes. but, you know, that's just my hope, personally. No, I, I am actually glad they didn't do that shit, because I remember when they did it in Serenity, like the holographic grave. graves. Graves Oh my end. god, that's so disgusting and horrifying. Yeah. The little, hey, look, your grave is a little fucking three-second loop of you smiling. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, they did that with the Tasha Yar. Data had the 3D Tasha Yar on yeah. the next generation also. But that was very touching with him. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's because it's Data, you know, yeah. and he misses yeah. her, and he misses their wild night that they had together. Oh, bright. <laughs> He's fully functional. <laughs> fully functional. <laughs> anyway, uh, I watched a documentary called I Love Monster Movies, Oh, which uh, I would maybe rank a five out of ten and say, mm. eh, wow. if, you, if you need something to watch. It was more of a, I think it was more of a con movie. What did you watch it on? Um, it was on Amazon, I think. Amazon. Okay. Amazon Prime. Adding it to the list? Still like but, old uh, school, like Forrest Ackerman? No, no, no. No, it was, uh, I went to Monster Palooza two years ago and just interviewed everybody I could about monster movies and talked to Sid Haig and it was okay. It wasn't a very well put together documentary. Um, basically what I said, it, it wasn't Monster Palooza, it was some, uh, 
It was some uh, monster convention yeah, in yeah. Texas, but oh, probably Frightmare. Yeah, I'm just gonna show up and talk to Linnea Quigley and Sid Haig and a few cosplayers that I run into and oh, kind of so throw it yeah. all together about why people like monster movies. And eh, it was okay for what it was. Generic, um, exactly. I've watched way better documentaries, of course, but. Uh, it was, yeah, you know, if you need something to watch and you got a few minutes. Well, we are in the age of fan documentaries. Yeah. yeah. As, as you know, these people mature, they'll realize they kind of need to see other documentaries to understand uh, the viewpoint and how important it is. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think we've been seeing a lot more of the, the really kind of mediocre documentaries, but I'll take those. I mean, if I can get, you know, one future shock, you know, or something like out of every five of those ones. But I I'm think happy. that that's kind of what we had to talk about the VHS massacre thing. Right. Is you're just it, the thing about good documentary is it's about some subject people either don't know a lot about or want to know more about mm -hmm. or make the audience interested, you know, just by right. the virtue of its quality. And I think that uh, a lot of these ones, it's like, OK, this is getting to be old hat. Like, yeah. I've heard this a million times. I mean, burned out but i made up for it because i've got a really good documentary a little further down my list that i'll get to but uh before that um I, a movie i've been wanting to catch for a while uh the barn oh yeah uh, we watched the barn which was really every it was pretty much everything we expected we had been watching the previews and stuff for it and trying to find it uh we actually uh i texted kirby to see if when he watched it it was on vod but he had actually bought it from their website and uh we actually ended up finding a um, a version of it on YouTube, oh. which was kind of funny, but and it was cool because it wasn't usually when you find a movie on YouTube, it's flipped or it's in a little box in the bottom. This was just a straight up somebody uploaded it and it was there and you could watch it, so it was cool. Hmm. Definitely going to order it. And there's you're right, there's way Kirby's right. There's a lot of uh, they have a lot of merchandise on their website. Oh, and okay. it's it's cool shit. So you're like, I want all of this. Yeah, I, I actually bought way more than I liked it. I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. It's not perfect or anything, but I I actually really think it's one of those standout, independent, truly yeah. like gorilla kind. For of those of you that don't pictures. know, the barn it's an uh, it's an homage to '80s horror. Uh, but, but it was filmed recently, but it's filmed just like an 80s horror movie. Wow, that's um, 80s slasher. 80 slasher, yes. Yeah. Yes, very convincingly, actually. It's nice. done really, really well. Um, these kids are on their way to a concert, and they stop, and they end up awaking an ancient evil inside a barn, and it's three. It's like a, what is it? A, uh, the, a, uh, a scarecrow, a pumpkin head guy, and, and, minor. and yeah. a miner. The good old minor 49er. That's funny. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it was done very well. Um, they even like tried to weave a little backstory into it. So, nice. Yeah. You know, not bad. Um, the other documentary that I watched that was really, really good was called Batman and Bill. Oh, I love it. It's on yeah, Hulu. So yeah, I I've heard I, really good I things. I think like Victor and I talked about it offline, but oh I don't gosh. think we ever brought it up on the show. That freaking duck, because I'm a huge Batman fan too. Yeah, man. And it changed my whole perspective of everything I knew about Batman. Seriously, dude. You know, I'm like, dude, Bob Kane was a dick. Yeah, wow. well, I I've kind of <laughs> known about this for a while, and I feel like the people at DC have sort of known about it too. Yeah. Oh, they for, did. They for, for the most part, for people who have not familiar with it, it's a documentary about Bill Finger, the guy who ghost wrote pretty much all the early Batman stories and came up with all the Batman lore and mythos. Well, right. 
Bob Kane essentially just came up took with credit for it. Bruce Wayne and the name Batman. Batman. Yeah, but like he had like uh, the way he looks. Like I mean, every I mean, it was Bill Finger. Pretty much everything you thing. know about Batman right. came from Bill Finger. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's kind of the way a lot of people feel about Jack Kirby with Stan Lee. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. With, well, everybody, it's uh, it comes down to the whole the. Uh, I'll, I'll, this will be, I guess, might be controversial, but basically, for those who don't know, most of the golden age of Marvel stories, um, and they even did a book. It's called "How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way," yeah, mm-hmm. and they came up with the Marvel method, which is basically the uh, artist comes up with the story, lays it out, the enti- lays out the entire story, breaks, does the breakdowns, and pencils it all leaving space for the word balloons and then the writer comes in and puts in the dialogue which to me in hindsight if you describe that oh yeah i draw and lay out the whole thing and have the story you put in the words right that's all you're doing is a mad lib right exactly because so much of that story is going to be visual yeah right exactly and that's why when you read a lot of like the 60 stories those word balloons tend to be things like you know, great Scott or jump in Jehoshaphat. <laughs> you know, all the Stanley catchphrases, yeah. you know, to, that are showing, like, drawing attention to the artwork when you think of it that way, especially when you consider that Jack Kirby came up with most of these characters. You know, and he's, cre- for most, like, he created Darkseid, he created almost all the Marvel Universe, and this is where all the, the new gods, all the stuff that all these movies are drawing from, you can totally see why the marvel you know it exists today did a huge settlement to his estate because anybody could just come in there and put a dumb little yeah. two sentence catchphrase yeah and that that's something that i don't know i i that that documentary really impacted me um you know i feel very strongly there's something i've i've always felt kind of a kinship towards and you find this throughout history um, you know, as far as pop culture, music, writing, where there are people that were just never recognized in their lifetime. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think about people like um, the musician Nick Drake, um, who, I mean, Nick Drake, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, you'd recognize his music from like, you know, Royal Tenenbaums and, you know, things like that. But he's this beautiful singer-songwriter, and he died in obscurity, penniless, in an insane asylum. Um, and, I mean, now he's just like amongst certain people, like an absolute legend. Or I think about um, John Kennedy Toole, who um, he wrote the book A Confederacy of Dunces, um, but what had happened is that he was somebody who he was like living with his mom in the, the like the attic and um, he wrote this entire book, sent it to a publisher. They sent it back, said they didn't want to you know write it. And then he ended up eventually committing suicide. Nobody ever knew who he was. His mom years later found this book underneath the bed. She sent it to a publisher. It got published, won the Pulitzer Prize, is this incredibly um, well-regarded book now, Confederacy of Dunces. And again, like it happened all after he lived. And I think that that's just kind of such this powerful thing about how we really can be immortal and how people didn't get this recognition. But I think it was so much more tragic in Bill Finger's case because he it's not i mean he he had to watch batman become this phenomenon well and when he did start to speak out a little bit he got an immediate response from bob kane this is bullshit nope i created batman i did it you know and and shoved it back down because you get an idea of early fandom because there wasn't an internet and how important zines were to connect yeah that was cool 
But that's yeah. a big part of it in general is, is that it's really nowadays people, I mean, it's it's crazy how hard it is to dispute stuff in one sense. Like, it's really difficult to be like, well, I create this or this is my intellectual property because you have so many people go, well, um, what is it called? The uh, I'm trying to remember Amy Schumer's term for it, but it's uh-huh. like cracked me up when she said that it's like no you outright stole almost all that material right. parallel thinking and <laughs> yeah. it's like but now you can document <laughs> things and share them on yeah. an international level and people can backtrack now and say definitively like you did create that first i mean most people can you know unless until you have like a disney or something get involved mm-hmm. then then good luck to you but I mean, um, it's funny i was even like when i was watching future shock like how much robocop ripped off judge dread and yeah. how like the first designs of robocop look exactly like judge dread and how you have like judge dread which ha- didn't have any films made about it i mean these 2000 ad guys were like not really getting rich off of anything right and how there's like no real acknowledgement of that by any of the filmmakers that that robocop was yeah. highly well, inspired the funny thing is it's like if you see robocop you can get it because the fascism is like inherent yeah and there's like robocop is a very dark comedy but then like the sequels which frank miller wrote sure. it just like t- that's totally lost which seems insane to me right cause, right because he's usually really yeah. good at that that's one thing that he nailed about batman yeah really well but then again let's be honest he was just ripping off 2000 ad right. at the time um so yeah i mean that i i was very touched by that i was very touched by seeing him get the due that he deserved and i had an emotional weekend because yeah that's uh when uh they were showing that because I didn't notice for whatever reason when I watched Batman versus Superman, I did not notice his credit. I did, and I was beginning. like, "Who's Bill Finger?" Yeah. I did not notice like, yeah. for some reason, but when they showed that at the end, and they were in the movie theater, and then it showed his name up there, and then they were talking about his son took his ashes and put him in the bat symbol, yeah, in the yeah. sand, and let the ocean wash away. I I that teared up a little bit. And I was like, "Wow, yeah. what a story!" Because the poor guy, man died alone in his apartment bitty apartment in new york by himself on his couch with nobody around him no recognition no nothing it's absolutely horrible to see because batman they're right in the documentary they're saying you go to any country in the world and say batman and they know who you're talking about yeah absolutely you know it's it's ridiculous so So, but but yeah good on those people i mean and it was really a heartwarming story about people who were who were fighting for him to get his recognition and it really was a story about victory and and it goes back to what i was saying earlier like that's how a documentary succeeds is when you yes you can unearth and elevate something good or bad however the audience interprets it and a good documentary lets the audience take their own right um away from it was is that something that's very important and is power of the medium yeah i also watched uh let's see Watch a documentary called American Anarchist. It's about the guy that wrote oh, the, the Anarchist, Anarchist cookbook. cookbook. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. It's, 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 a, it's a good documentary as far as the history of the book. I mean, he, you know, he's totally remorseful about writing it now, and he's you know, wishing he had never done it. And he says several times in the documentary, documentary I, I wish it would just go away. I wish it would just, you know, disappear. But with the onset of the internet and everything, it's never going to happen. Um, I felt it was a slanted uh, documentary, though, because the guy doing the interview, I felt was goading him a little bit and trying to get him to say things a certain way. I felt like the guy that was doing the interview was trying to build a narrative of his own instead of trying to get the story out of the guy. Because he was like, well... 
how do you feel about the fact that innocent people have died? And he goes, well, I feel horrible about it. He goes, but I've tried to separate myself from it, and I didn't know about a lot of it. And he's like, well, what about this instance in 1993 at this blah, blah, blah? He goes, I didn't know about that. He goes, oh, well, what about this one? Blah, 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 blah. And it's almost like he's angry. Yeah, and the guy's like, that sounds like an agenda. Man. I didn't know oh, about yeah. that either. Hit piece, he goes, totally. look, we moved out of the country specifically so I could get away. They were living um, like in France or somewhere or South Africa teaching at a school. And they didn't even have a TV through most of the 80s. And he's like, but, you know, there was one point in the documentary. He goes, well, I feel... Uh, like most of the 80s, I feel like the book started to die off and came back when the internet, you know, kind of took over things. And the guy's like, oh, really? In the 80s? Like, you mean this in 1981 when this guy blew this thing up and they found the anarchist cookbook there? And he goes, I, I didn't. And the guy was, the guy getting interviewed started getting mad. He's like, I didn't know about that. He's like, well, what about 1983 when the blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I, I was starting to get. That makes me not want to watch it. I was starting yeah. to get uncomfortable. And his wife actually calls it out at one point. And she goes, I feel like you're being a little, uh, um, aggressive. Wow. And then the, the guy too was like, I feel like you're getting me to, I'm not saying what you want me to say. And you're getting frustrated and you're trying to get me to say well, something. At least he had well, the integrity. Least he that yeah, integrity exactly. That at least he did. Yes. If he hadn't, I mean, it would be like pretty much every other media source where it's like, Oh, Hey, let's actually watch the raw footage. please. Exactly. Like, it's almost like you have to have in every single like news story or interview. Can I see now, the 40 minutes? Have, like, two. Can I see the 40 minutes that this two minutes yeah. came out of? That, that's something yeah. big, but. I grew up with the anarchist cookbook. We physically oh, yeah. had it and stuff, and it was one of those things where we were kids, you know. We well, lived I've, out. We lived in the cuts. This is what we did. We made yeah, pipe bombs I've, uh, and napalm. And, and I've owned. I've did. owned a. I've owned a digital copy of it for yeah. about well twelve years. It was one of the first things I ever downloaded. I think on the internet when you started getting torrents, and I think yeah, I got yeah, it yeah. off of LimeWire or some shit like that. That's how long ago it was. But you know, just in case things ever go to shit, and I need it. Well, Honestly, that's, then that's you know. kind of the purpose. I mean, a lot of it was ripped from the uh, U.S. Army. Uh, yeah, exactly. Survival field which, manual. which I have the field manual. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. he got he got sued at one point. Over yeah, exactly. That, because he won the lawsuit. And it's so. just, I mean, the whole point is, is that I think with a lot of stuff in the end, you know, it's it's horrible that you got like ambushed like that way. But to me, it's like when people go, well, the blood's on your hands in any of those situations. My view is, is like, yeah, until it's the cause you want it to be for. Exactly. And, that, and that's the real problem with all these kinds of things. It's like now I've seen so much stuff now where people are like, I don't want you filming this. And it's like, OK, but it's a public place. So let's film it. You know, what I mean, that's that's the, the mutual power that everybody has is, is that we can film it. And you can put it out there and, you know, people decide from there. And that sure. it's like that's supposed to be the great equalizer. And people are like, no, 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 I don't want you because you're going to turn it into your own narrative. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of the way it's been since the beginning of time. Exactly. But the whole point is you, can do, the the you can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, yeah, anything else? Um, I watched a documentary called Doomed. I did, too. Dad, what did you think about I, it? I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, uh, okay, Doomed in 1992. Uh, Roger Corman produced a Fantastic Four movie, and uh, it was oh, shot in 1992. That movie's so, awesome, by the way. And yeah, the only way you can get it now is by getting bootleg copies of it, because it never got officially released, because the only reason they made the movie was 
the same reasons they made that one that came out a couple of years ago, so they could hold on to the rights. Right. I genuinely to the think that Four. movie is like better than the other two Fantastic Four, yeah. other three Fantastic Four movies. Well, if any of you guys have a copy of it, I'd love to borrow it because I want to see it. Yeah, it's it's sad that you, you like, uh, no spoiler or anything, but the only reason you can see the film is is that they made a you know a videotape copy. And right. somebody, and in, somebody the, in the coffee it. shop yeah. made their own. I mean, it's yeah. got really bad special effects and everything, but oh, yeah. actually in terms of a film, like I think that it's better than well, those other three. To, the one thing that blew me away was like, well, it finally looks like Doctor Doom. Yeah. I never got that right. right in three yes. fucking movies. Yeah. One of my favorite villains of all time. Dude. And they couldn't get it right. I can't any of those that. Time. He's like one of the easiest people exactly. to do well, too. It's man. one of the only ones where you can do yeah. the special effects Agreed. without money because it was only a yep. million dollars. Right. So, if, yeah, if you guys are into uh, historical stuff or film archiving kind of stuff, you'll yeah. really enjoy Where'd it. Where'd you watch that one? Um, that was on uh, Prime. Think, that's where I watched it. Yeah, it's on Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, it's um, Prime's well been bringing it lately. Yeah, they by have. The um, yeah, they, they just added. Uh, they just added Killing Zoe, which I'm pretty nice, stoked about. Cause yeah. I love Lawrence that movie. Bender. Yep. And, I'm just uh, waiting for the uh, Captain America story too. To, to oh, have a nice the, companion yeah. piece. Yeah. The horrible Captain. That's, that's America. Well, the Spider-Man movie. movies too. Yeah, were... and the Spider-Man. You could have a nice trilogy going. Yeah, yeah but the the Fantastic Four is a truly like heartwarming like. It's amazing how that cast has dealt with it all. Oh yeah, because man, that is the ultimate like. It's Christopher uh, Guest is in that, right? Wasn't it? I, I I thought that was Christopher Guest as uh as uh, as Mister Fantastic. No, it's no, um, really? uh, somebody so. else. But he's great. Okay. Like, it, it's great. They got. I mean, almost everyone was still living or is still living, so they were yeah. able to get right. a lot of the interviews because obviously. They can only show a little bit of the footage yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. besides the surviving trailer, which is the only thing that's actually filmed. Yeah, I, I saw that. I got a, my buddy got a bootleg of that, and that yeah. was freaking awesome. That was a, that's yeah. a comic convention staple yeah. with right. a Star Wars <laughs> holiday special. Yeah, um, yeah. There's like three or four other ones. Yeah, man. Last but not least, and this, I don't know if anybody would be shocked by this, I had never seen Watchmen. Oh, really? So I watched that uh, on Monday, which was uh, really, really good. Now, which version did you watch? Um, I wanted to get the, I wanted to watch the director's cut, but on uh, Vudu, you couldn't rent the director's cut. You could only buy it. And I didn't want to take the chance because I know I can get it cheaper elsewhere because it's like, it was like 15 bucks, I think. Um, so anyway, I watched the uh, theatrical cut, which I still want to, now I really want to see the director's cut. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, it was just one of those movies I never got around to when it came out, even though it was such a big deal. Right. And uh, it was a lot darker than I expected. That's for sure. I was not right. expecting that, but it was really well done. Um, I, I respect a lot of what Zack Snyder did in that film. I really do. Like, I mean, it's a I I love Watchmen so much. Like, I mean, I grew up with Watchmen. Like, it's just like I mean, I've got so much respect for it. And well, I liked it because it was realistic. It yeah. was the I I believe it was an actual portrayal of if there were really superheroes, the way people would act and the things that would happen, and eventually, yeah. The government would say we're coming after you, and they would all have to go into hiding. I think that's true of or the becoming comic, evil assholes. But what I don't you know? like about the movie is how like they'll take one panel of them getting like the there's like the scene where the night owl um you know and and uh, Lori get accosted in that alley, and it's like one, in the comic it's like one panel of them like breaking a guy's arm, but then they turn it into like this long slow motion action sequence in the mm. movie. Um, you know, that I, it's just like, it's the indulgence in that, that kind of bothers me. I don't think it's necessary. I think they could have made that movie a lot shorter. Um, I think, I think it comes down, 
down to a lot of early Zack Snyder where he doesn't really know how to edit. Like I he'll don't, leave I think the that's option. common Zach, or that's that's modern Zack Snyder. Well, too. yeah, I mean, for the, yeah, even up to like Batman versus Superman, it, it's 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 from Dawn of the Dead up to Bat his latest work, literally Every his entire career. Single yeah. movie he's ever done has had a director's version that is longer. Yeah, yeah. And when they do the shorter version, I feel he has a very very strong issue with editing out the wrong shit yeah like important characterization get rid of that leave the long extended like action sequence that doesn't yeah. really add much it, agreed and to me like it like his one uh movie he's done that isn't an adaptation of something sucker punch he cut out all the wrong stuff because yeah. the director's cut is a million times better than what was out in theaters. I do have to see the director's cut of that. Yeah, I think I do too because that yeah, yeah that movie was visually awesome. But and what sucks it about it is on Vudu you can only get the theatrical version. Wow. Yeah. yeah. See, for me, the way I always went to Watchmen wasn't even based around the comic, although I obviously you know was into it and was a fan. But really, actually, where it came really off of for me was actually Sin City. Yeah. Was a weird. It had a very. Film it had a me. very like, Sin City vibe. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I just I don't know why for me that's like a double feature. Yeah. Like oh, it I just could see works that. Well together. It makes like, sense. The very I don't colorful. think Watchmen would have happened without Sin City. Yeah, oh I no, without a doubt. It's all yeah, very. Both, it's all very noir. They're both yeah. slavishly, um, you know, beholden to the comics as well. I think it to, in my opinion, to a negative. Uh, I think you need to adapt. Um, you don't need to d- directly translate, and I think that that's evident in Sin City and in Watchmen. Um, but I, I, I really look my, always my view, a point of Watchmen as a fan of it for you know decades has always been, you need to have a genius to do Watchmen. Like when um, Terry Gilliam in the early 1990s was going to do a Watchmen show for HBO. I think that would have been amazing. Cause that's not just Terry Gilliam, but that's like 12 monkeys era, Terry Gilliam, yeah. right? Like that would have been like, absolutely incredible um you know i think that but getting somebody like a Zack snyder who look he's a he, i think he's a fine director but i don't think he's a genius you know i don't think he's like on the level of somebody like a Gar- uh, terry gilliam in his prime um you know that i definitely in my opinion feel that that that's what is missing but i will say that like my favorite segment my favorite character in watchmen is dr manhattan i mean i absolutely love dr manhattan my favorite ep- uh, issue of Watchmen is the one that focuses on Dr. Manhattan. I think that segment of the film is perfect um, with the, the Philip Glass music and just uh-huh. him on Mars and the way that it intercuts between his memories. Like I feel freaking Zack Snyder knocked that entire part out of the park. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't crap on the movie. I, I love that. that segment specifically because it uses the Philip Glass score from Koyanis Quatsi, right, yeah. which that whole movie is just, that that music set to time lapsing yep and that whole sequence is about how time is irrelevant yep so it's like it has this very deep thought out meta reasoning behind it and i wish a lot more of the movie kind of had been like agreed agreed i will say though one of the issues a lot of people have is that the fact that they changed the ending to away from the giant squid i'm okay with that honestly i think the way they did it with you, you know replicating dr manhattan's energy so it looks like you know, he attacked all these capitals is a hundred percent more effective than it is in the comics because it's yeah. like throughout you're led to believe that uh Doctor Manhattan is becoming this detached god. Yeah. And the fact that he just strikes down the earth is of course is something that would bring them together. But then there's that deeper context that mm-hmm. like 
the world unites against God. It's like very dark. Yeah, I agree. Bizarre. I think that was a very good way. And also, if you do the squid, you have a lot more story you have to put yeah. in there of what yeah. all that means. I would you... say that that's my my favorite part of that whole movie was that they didn't save the day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was that. That's what stuck out to me. Was I thought was really cool. Have you ever read the graphic novel? Jesse? No, but I'm I'm really wanting to Boy, now. I don't know what it was. It was. It never seemed interesting to me. It's incredible. Like you know I, mean, I mean, it's just reading that thing is just like it's a seriously, it's a yeah. spiritual experience. You know, like, I will <laughs> say one of my one of the I still think my biggest problem with Watchmen is um, it's miscast in a couple of key roles. Yeah, I don't. I think Matthew Good was a horrible, oh horrible terrible Ozymandias, absolutely. And in the way he played him is like this weird detached Bond villain where yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be kind of like you know like a Lex Luthor type who re- thinks he's doing good. You know who would have been a perfect Ozymandias? Yeah, oh, okay. I, I was going to say Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Yeah, you know? I think Just modern like a, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think Tom Cruise would have been, like, right. perfect. Yeah, I think that's a good one, too. Yeah. But I almost no, think he has too much. hone into your Scientology. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I just think almost he has too set. much baggage, you know? That's yeah. why I pick Leo, because it's, like, you want somebody that's, like, as far as Hollywood views, is, like, a perfect. Yeah. You know, or even, like, a younger George Clooney, right? I mean, yeah. somebody who's, like, you know, somebody's, like, oh, this guy's great. You know, everybody likes this guy. Um, But, you know, my biggest issue with the film, actually, is a strange thing, because he changed some things I think were fine. But one thing I didn't understand why he changed this is the very first time that Rorschach kills anybody is the scene where you've got the um, the guy who had the little girl, mm-hmm. you know, obviously yep. and fed it to the dogs. And then, like, um, you know, he has that guy and he whacks his head with a meat cleaver. In the in the, the comic, um, what happens is that he sets the house on fire and the guy is chained to the thing. Oh, I he, know exactly yeah. why they changed that. FYI. Oh, yeah, tell me. They changed it because of Saw. Oh, really? Yeah, Saw had just come out That's not dumb. that long beforehand, wow. and they thought yeah. it would be too much like Saw. I remember reading an article specifically Really? That's interesting. This. Yeah, I remember. Because the reason so that I think it yeah. works so, you know, and I think Alan Moore did that for a reason, is because that was first uh, Rorschach's first kill, and it was Rorschach kind of easing into it. It's yeah. like he could say, I didn't kill this guy, I gave him a choice, yeah. when in reality he he did kill the guy. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, but I'm, I'm glad I know that now, because that's the one thing I was like, why did he really, why did he change? This. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I did connect with Warsack. That was uh, probably my favorite character. Mine in the movie. as well. And he Jack had the Euro best. Haley he also had the best line in the whole movie where he's in prison. Yes, and he, just, just he threw the <laughs> shit on the guy. You're and stuck he goes, in here with me. Yeah, I'm not locked in here <laughs> yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You're locked in here yeah, with me. Yeah, exactly. And I was but, thinking to myself, that was very Batman-ish. Yeah, well, you see, know? that that to me is one of the bigger problems with Watchmen in general. Like, because Alan Morris said, you can't. Like Watchmen is an unadaptable comic, right? And when you look at the movie, you can get why because Rorschach is like the character you empathize with, whereas you read the comic, you realize he's a sociopath. Oh yeah, and it reads much more like that. Like when you're reading like Catcher in the Rye, yeah. Like it, when you read Catcher in the Rye when you're a kid, oh. you're kind of like, Hey Holden, can... you're my boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then like when you're older and you read it, like no, Holden yeah. is a sociopath. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know. Like I remember when I was in high school and I told like my English my my honors English teacher that I really empathized with him. He took me aside and we taught you know it's like this is why you shouldn't empathize with Holden Caulfield and he's like you know this is like critical thinking because mm-hmm. that's the main thing they was teaching you in like tenth or eleventh grade. It's like you have to like 
you know, you can't trust the narrator. Yeah. You have to be detached enough to see <laughs> that he's unreliable and there's issues like with the way he's presenting his worldview. I do like in the director's cut um, that... Hey, hang on real was, quick. I just yeah. want to say, I have not wanted something to happen so bad to a main character of a book than with Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. I fucking hate it, Holden. So bad. Was, right. Well, yeah, and that's oh like one of those things God. when you're reading him, you're supposed to at first kind of empathize with him, but then realize that like... By the uh, end of the book, I'm no, like, please no, somebody no, bash no, his no. head in. Right. Um, I do like how in the director's cut, Zack Snyder did put a little bit more of Rorschach's more questionable things in there. Yeah. You know, like, for example, when he's like all the homosexuals, you know, and stuff yes, like that. Exactly. You know, they put... He, they kind of made him more right wing, which is very much what he is. Um, you well, know, plus you got to remember it was 1985. Well, yeah. It was, but it was that was Kind world. Of, that, well, yeah, but I think that that was Alan Moore's comment upon that. Well, I mean, it was. He's you know. been very, very open that. I mean, he's obviously going on the Reagan-Thatcher years. Right. And he made people. And that's that's Watchmen's downfall and its success is, is that it makes people very um, black and white. Like, mm-hmm. And that's how Rorschach thinks. Exactly. And, 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 yeah. and the, the problem is, is that that's kind of what Osmandius is trying to say is that you all think you're right, but you're not. Right. Like, you're not like not Rorschach is not only not right, but all of you are not right. And that and that I find as the parallel in great storytelling is, is that it's not just a whole blanket of ambiguity. It's just that it's understanding that if you're really examining the human condition, which all great yeah. literature and film does, nothing is as simple as. No. Well, that's yeah. like one of the bigger issues, too, with the ending of Watchmen, where you're kind of led to believe that Rorschach leaves his like journal to a newspaper right where if you read the comic yeah he gives it to a right yeah may as well be alex jones in infowars right it's this right wing the new frontiers yeah the new frontiersman that like publishes conspiracy theories and stuff which rorschach thinks is the only thing that publishes the truth yeah so in the end even if it gets published no one will believe it yeah exactly well that totally changes the entire ending yeah yeah wow exactly and the thing is, when you read in the comic, you you don't see that guy, the guy who like uh, is gets it with spills the stuff on his shirt. Uh-huh. You see the editor talking to you, right. so it's like basically it ends with, "Well, I'll leave this in your capable hands." Like you're the reader, and oh, you wow. have to yeah. like yeah. realize that's where cool. you're going to take this, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. why the ending will never work in a medium outside of a comic. Yeah. yeah, it's well, well that and also like the way they um that the uh the the blacks or what was it the 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 the, the pirate story yeah um which I mean again that's something you completely miss out on in the film I mean even they had the complete edition that had the animated yeah. one in it but even that misses it like that issue where it's like they've got this pirate story happening and it's mirroring what's happening in the real world yeah and it's like that's something that's so purely oh, comic yeah. it's like you you have to be looking at that on the page to get the power of what's happening oh in yeah that well issue. and then there's a deeper level to that in the comic because you you notice when you watch the movie there's a part near the end where you see like a newspaper stand and a geeky looking kid yeah. right all right so in the comic you keep going back to them and that kid buys the pirate comic that josh is talking about that's mirroring the story oh wow so but when they talk about it though they're discussing what's going on in the main story right without 
talking about and, the main and it's story. like got a specific font that says this is from the pirate story but then it'll show you something that's happening in the real in the real world but then it'll have the font of what's happening in the pirate story yeah. so you realize it's actually saying what's happening in both the real world and that so yeah i mean just the levels at which alan Moore wow. was working yeah, on yeah. It's that like is that's incredible deep. it's yeah. definitely not light read in any way oh, yeah. shape or form not but... at all and that's you know, and then I'll see I'll see the last thing because I mean it's weird how we're turning it's just kind of like Watchmen. Cast. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. I think it's one worth, of the bigger reasons that the about. Watchmen adaptation doesn't work is it's two thousand nine and it's a little too divorced from like the eighties, where like this whole real fear yeah. of like a Cold War where Russia and the U.S. could like annihilate each other seemed very real. Yep. And for somebody re- watching this now is thinking. Oh, that's just like some weird alternate history. Well, no, sci-fi it's funny. Thing. It's funny you say that because I was thinking because this film came out in what two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. I was a completely different person than I am now. My, uh, you know, even down to some of my more core beliefs were different, mm-hmm. and I think I appreciate a Watchmen more now than if I had. I think if I had gone and seen it in two thousand nine, I wasn't quite as cynical as I am now, and I think I would have went into it and been like. Well, that was a pretty good. That was that movie was really well done. That's really awesome, you know. But now, given stuff that's happened since then and more recently, you could almost look at that and be like, "America is almost back in that same place that yep. they were during yeah. the eighties." Yeah, I don't these are get, retro times. I don't want to get political yeah. on it. No, no, no. But, but that's. I mean, that's let's just part, say we're getting retro. That, that's more part of the issue, though. Is, is that for me, as for the the way I view Watchmen, is is that. Alan Moore's commentary for me is is that it's um you know I look at it as that that um kind of triangle of of Rorschach, Osmandius, and Manhattan. You yeah. have like the three very distinctive um ideals which coalesce into the one, which is is that people go, well, this is a retro. It's kind of like the I haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale yet, but for me, it's like you can do that with anything. People are going, well, this is what's happening now. It's 1984, and I'm like, that was happening. Five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it's yeah. always happening. Exactly, and it's yeah. because you're it's, just more aware of it. You're just more aware of it, but it's how you interpret the narrative. It's everyone has a different narrative, but it's all the same thing. It's like it's whatever you care about, uh, like the Rorschach yeah. thing, like the true believer. It's whatever you have a care for. If you feel that that is changing in a way you don't like, or it's threatened, or whatever. But most importantly, is that like I said, you have a Rorschach kind of character that goes, well, I'm right. Like I said, it's the true believer kind of thing. You have a Manhattan that goes, I see something so far beyond what either you see. I don't see any kind of sides. And then you have an Osmandius who goes, this is actually what needs to happen. Right. And it doesn't fit any of your narrative. And it's not popular, but and I'm going to do it popular, anyway. But I'm going to do it and anyway. Rorschach, yeah. in a way, is broken because he looks at things in black and white terms, but this is illustrated when he's looking at the uh, the actual Rorschach inkblots, yeah. and he only sees the dark. He's broken, so he yeah. used to see the, the, the good and the bad, and now yeah. he only sees and that's, the bad. And that's where, when you, when I say that, like people always go, well, it's a dystopian future, I said, a dystopian future is not a specifically like one ideology or belief or ideal. It's um, it's whatever you have filtered yeah. everything out, and you no longer you know see anything that way. Yeah. And that's where I think that Watchmen well, works on a lot of and levels. And then there's the bigger meta thing where they all of them think they're doing they're they're defending the world against this unfathomable evil. Yeah. But the whole comic is essentially about how they're the evil, evil that yeah. they're fighting if uh 
if Ozymandias had never decided to build this, uh, you know, machine, none of the shit in this movie would have ever happened. So many people wouldn't have died. Right. They just would have gone on. And they're just fighting against this, uh, like, fear that's unfounded throughout. Yeah. It's like Dr. Manhattan says, it's too late. Always has been. Well, too uh, late. Osmandius yeah. had the other great line in the movie, which I love when movies break the norm and the cliche, where he said, do you think I would have laid my entire plan out if there was any fathomable way you could have stopped it? Right. I and put like, this in motion 35 minutes in ago. The comic, yeah. In yeah. the comic, that's the exact line. It's yeah. amazing. It's incredible to, like, to read I think that. I, like, I, oh my I think I fist God. pumped when he said that. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like a stunning, breathtaking moment to so say, like, there's no happy ending yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, or to Victor's point, it's like, there's the successful Bond villain. Yeah, we were yeah. all waiting Agreed. for. Agreed. No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> yeah, the Hank Scorpio <laughs> of of reality. Right. All right. Do you have any more, Jasper? Ah, that was it. All right. Do you guys have any before we kind of jump into the meat? Um, we're about an hour. In. I've yeah, got. Yeah, totally. um, I got a couple real quick, but um, if you got anything, go right ahead, Joshua. Yeah. No, honestly, nothing. To be honest okay. with you, like I, uh, I I've reseen um, some movies I've already saw. I saw Baby Driver again. I saw. Um, I picked up uh, Bad Batch um, and watched that again, yeah. which I loved just as much the second time. I went to go see Wonder Woman again. Went to the drive-in, which was awesome. Um, I will be cool. headed to. I will say I will be headed to Zia tomorrow evening after we have some money to get that director's kind of watchman because I know I'm going to be able to find it used. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excited. They did a lot of versions yeah. of that, like a lot of sets. So I would recommend, yeah. Just I was about directors. to ask which one you guys would recommend. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend the complete one with it that has the, the pirate. Um, uh, Black Freighter. Like the Black Freighter like, that is actually edited in. Yeah, just get uh, the director's yeah. cut. Get it's the director's solid. cut. And if you can, watch the Black Freighter once because uh, some of the sets will have the director's cut. And then I think you can get the Black Freighter separately like as a special feature i will say like i on dvd i have like the watchmen motion comic yeah which is really good it's like six hours long that's and it has the pirate story worked in there and everything yeah exactly Uh, i just gotta say i'm looking at your awesome video drone poster that you just got victor Uh and it says right here read the zebra book you know, so like I'm just imagining what like the 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 novelization of video drama <laughs> would be like, right? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to picture that like in words. I hope it was one of the photo novels. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Boy, yeah, <laughs> I have uh, you know the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, remake is one of my favorite movies, and I actually have the photo novel. Yeah, so I cool. freaking love that movie, dude. Love it. Um. See here. So Victor or uh, Jasper already talked about Doomed. I didn't see a huge amount. One I uh it's funny we were talking about with the uh kind of piggybacking. I actually took this one as Victor's recommendation was to watch on uh Netflix the documentary Nobody Speaks. Yeah, um, I've been wanting oh, to see yeah. that. Which man. is um yeah, really uh, like the way Victor talked about it is it's it's very it is very um divided into two parts. It's kind of like the whole Hulk Hogan story, and then it starts going into like this um thing where um it's supposed to be like the broader implications um with the las vegas story which is actually probably way more interesting than the gawker story is by far but um and i thought that part was um pretty fascinating but the um the one with the the hulk hogan thing i just really there were parts of this documentary i just cannot believe what some of the people were saying it just blows me away like not only with the the Gawker's like unbelievable like self righteousness about like 
well, we have a, you know, we're going to, this is reporting the news. I'm like, I don't think anybody's sex tape is the news, but, you know, and that's not on any comment. It's just that I find it funny that Scarlett Johansson and a bunch of other celebrities send a guy to jail for 10 years for posting their nudes, which he had obviously no right to invade their privacy and do. That's their business and their property. But it's also that I can't believe people are going, well, but if it's this guy, you know, the whole Kogan thing, it's like, ah, it's okay. And they're like, well, it really was. It was this it was this ulterior motive about this racist language. And I'm going, I'm sure that was a part of it too. But in the end, everything falls back on like, you're, it, it's, I hate to put it, it's just, we were discussing with that watchman, but it is kind of very um black and white. It's like, if you're going to say one thing is right, like this person's sex tape is part of like legitimate news or should be reported on, then you're going to have to start going, well, it, it's starting to go into like, is anyone up Hunter Moore kind of territory to meet like, and it's like, no, it really isn't. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, and they're like, well, these are the people backing it. Like, they go on Peter Thiel and stuff. And I'm not disagreeing with some of the stuff they're saying. It's just that it's like, yeah, but there's a, um, you know, a million billionaires yeah. who are backing all these different political causes. And it's like, I just, you're just focused on this one thing to fit your narrative. And it's like, you really got to be more. So oh, what's I, the documentary actually so about? So basically, it, it covers two stories. It covers like the Hogan Gawker trial, and uh-huh. it covers um, uh, Sheldon Adelson, uh, this millionaire in Las Vegas who supports a lot of right wing Republican causes, and he buys the only newspaper in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Journal Constitution, uh-huh. so that they can stop writing about him. Oh yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a very or Sheldon Adelson, yeah, Shel- like... Sheldon, oh Sheldon, Sheldon, yeah, yeah. Um, to me, there's a bigger problem with the documentary in that I kind of feel it's apples and oranges. Like the bigger thing with the Hogan trial is that his trial is bankrolled by Peter Thiel. Like if you saw the Social Network, he's the guy who gave Facebook their the startup money, yeah, the startup money, yeah, and he owns, he founded PayPal and all this stuff. And the reason he bankrolled hogan's uh trial against uh gawker is because he knew if they lose if they lost they would go out of business and years ago they outed him as being gay right right so so it's like there's this really petty thing to it and then it tries to kind of play gawker into this good guy role which like is hard because you know they talk to nick denny says oh well we've done some good things like they, po- they posted the video Scientology when all these other news outlets wouldn't do it. I will say that is newsworthy. Sure. But then they say, we're also the people who published all the Hillary Clinton emails yeah. when nobody else would. And to me, there is a net bad to that because we're still feeling the repercussions of that fallacy and bad decision today yeah but that's the but that's i mean that's part of the thing where they kind of do micro talk about that is yeah that it's basically they and start talking about no no, I mean, no. And then I mean, at the same time yeah also he also mentions at, and they just kind of like i don't think there's any problem with ever outing anybody yeah well that, and was that it, to me was like uh, but it also what know. i mean where i was saying the micro topic is is that they kind of get into the whole edward snowden chelsea manning yeah. julius julian assange thing and it's like whatever that's what i'm saying is is that all these things serve different purposes for different people so that's really where the black and white issue is is that you're gonna say well this is newsworthy whether it serves your political or social cause or not it's about whether you think people have a right to know and one of the things yeah. that it's funny that they echo heavily is the discussion of what people have the right to know or not know and it's like 
okay, that's the 1984 side for me is, is like where people are going, well, you don't really have a right to know this. And this is not about like some of these things are not national secrets or security issues. This is we don't want you to know these things based on because it doesn't fit us. And I have a problem well, with so that. So Gawker no, no, no. is gone now, right? Like Gawker's no, been shut all all the Gawker properties have been bought by somebody else, okay. but yeah. the actual mothership Gawker is like, it's like a time capsule. It's Which not is it is interesting anymore. too with Gawker. They kind of do show the um though like how a media conglomerate works, like all the different websites they yeah. own. Just as like an informed yeah, because Gawker really owns like I, I Gawker was Gizmodo, like the like Gizmodo, Gizmodo, Jezebel, Ion, Kotaku, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, all of yeah. those found a buyer and like well we're buying gawker for everything except gawker right yeah because gawk because at that point become toxic so i'm curious though is anybody taking that place like i mean has has there been a a cooling effect well that's what the whole movie's about it's like it though it's not about these cases specifically it's the fact that are we in a point now where you know these millionaires by pursuing lit- litigation against, like, you know, independent media, like, newspapers. And then it talks a lot about, like, Donald Trump and how they show a lot of footage of the rallies he does mm-hmm. where, um, you know, like, the stuff you don't see on TV where sure. he's like, look at them. We're going to open up the libel laws. We're going to sue the hell out of you. And you see the crowd, like, right. throwing which shit me, at them, which like, pushing the to media. To me is the really big question, though. See, that's where I thought the amazing documentary being is what Victor's touching on, which is all these people, like, see, that's the thing is it becomes politically slanted. It's like, okay, so what about, like, George Soros or any of these other people? It's like you have – or even more middle-of-the-road individuals who are doing it for um, uh, less, like – which, believe me, if it's something petty – or something small, people will start a war over it. Yeah. You know, oh, it, yeah. that's that's universally known. But for me, one of the big things that I had a real issue with this documentary is, is that you could have made such a better documentary. You could have just started with the Gawker thing and then its far-reaching effects. And instead it becomes – and I find it funny that it just kind of hits right now with the whole CNN thing, which, I, I you know, again, it's kind of like Jasper was saying. It's not to get into like a hugely political thing, but when I'm talking about movies or art or things I enjoy – my thing is when a news network, and, and I have no affiliation or interest in any of them. I think most news, I think that's why people are looking to stuff on the internet and looking to um, other news sites is because most people don't trust traditional media these Which days. Which to me is a big problem because yeah. there's no reason not to trust traditional. Like I see no problem not to trust CNN. I do. Because because these people hire people who do critical thinking. And I'm, I I will tell you right now, sure, there's everybody has some kind of a slant. But you can like go in here and say, look, I trust like, you know, the Washington Post or I trust the New York Times. And there's too many echo chambers going on that say, well, right. if you well, believe in this, you're going to believe in this. If you believe in this, and you're going to believe in this. And that's the problem with it. But when you get into... This whole thing about like, oh, post the raw footage and then there's somebody see, see, this means this. There's too many people who are like going to these like kind of like, oh, well, like the people who say things like Sandy Hook isn't real, like that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't think people who are listening to this podcast want to hear about that stuff. No, no, no. But, but yeah. what it is, it's not about the specific things. For me, the whole CNN issue or the traditional news, I'm just making an observation on it, is, is that I think that's a big part of the reason. But the whole thing was is that this whole thing that's just started here with the whole uh, – or this past few days with the CNN issues, you're, it's something very – I mean, it's inno- a non-issue. No, no. Like, it's that, a non-issue. Well, for people who don't know what's going on, it's there's some guy on Reddit 
who made a meme of Donald Trump fighting like a, a Vince McMahon logo, with a CNN, CNN logo, a WWE which is thing. really sh- stupid and lame and unpresidential of Trump to do. And then people found out who this guy was, and, and CNN found out who it was too. And then you know the it's like please they asked him please don't post who I am, and then like all right, well we're gonna say we found out, but we didn't make an agreement to that. And other people are interpreting that as they're blackmailing it. But it, it, it but it, the problem, not, but though. the problem is, is that it really is though. In the end, is is that the question here is is not the it's what the threat is to me. It's like for me again, not trying to go into politicast. Yeah. But the big issue for me with this, in relation to the nobody speaks, is is that something very innocuous. The the difference is again, it's like this is this is what something should be presidential, whether this president or any president yeah i'm just saying well the president stuff like gives this a chilling effect to people but i get yeah. but what i'm saying is the chilling effect for me is is that this is a very innocuous meme i mean i think to anybody i mean people make memes or well, gifts well, shit like this all day i think the guy was more concerned not about being outed because of the meme it's because he had been posting I, and i understand that but that's him. not what again yeah. it's it, that goes back <laughs> to the gawker thing but for me what it is is that, and and what I think is the far-reaching effect is going, well, here, we're going to post something that's really innocuous, but because it's been taken by the leader of this country, which is really where the issue should be focused, is on the president and yeah. what the president is doing. It's like, because the meme is not, I mean, I'm sorry, it really is. It's it is. It so, goes back to what you said a few yeah. minutes ago. If it's petty, people will start yeah, to exactly. worry. Well, yeah, Here's the exactly thing, though. that's what's going on. When yeah. you got, when, uh, this is all I want to say about it, and I'll shut true, up. True, true. When you got four major corporations that own every major news outlet in the world, and those four corporations are answerable to like two guys, everything is fucked. No matter what way you look at it, it's left and right wings of the same bird. It's like George Carlin said, it's a special True. club, and you ain't in it. Yeah. So I, 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 I just look, I mean, I haven't said much on this because I've got so many things to say on yeah. this that I can't even I mean, get really started, probably guys, shouldn't. And I just don't think we should. No. Um, but I just, <laughs> I, I will just say that I think that that's a incredibly reductive way to look at things and it discounts all the really great work that educated people are doing within all those organizations. Yeah. I don't like my bosses. I, you know, all the time, I don't agree with everything my bosses do, but you know what? If I've got a journalism major and I've been in the industry for a long time and I believe in journalistic integrity, I'm not just going to bend over because my bosses yeah, are Warner Brothers. One of my but, ex-girlfriends used to be, work for a major newspaper and I will say like the editorial oversight these people have is tremendous. So yeah, I and, don't and believe it's you like, know, I, I believe that, that, that frankly Not everyone who works at McDonald's eats meat. You know, in this, in this country, one of the biggest things that makes America America is the freedom of the press. Yeah. And the way that journalists are being targeted right now is something that I find incredibly disturbing and frankly un-American and unpatriotic. And, and I would agree Agree. I agree that the the flip side to that is is that the a way lot of it that journalists are targeting people is frightening. Oh, it's but that's their job. The most right, terrifying just, just thing. Cut yeah. this whole thing off because we shouldn't. Talk. I okay. do think. No. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I think I, I don't want to say I'm cutting you. To, I'm just we shouldn't talk about this. What no, about? No, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> the, I'm not going to try to get a last no, word in. I no, no, no. I didn't mean it like that. that. What I was trying to say in relation to everything, or where I was trying to frame this, or the reason to discuss it was in relation to the documentary is is that i do think that no matter what anyone's personal feelings are and all of them are valid and equal it 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 really is and that's another thing is people go well your feelings aren't equal to mine it's like no 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 
your opinion, your values are as, as, as important as mine Absolutely. are. Absolutely. And anyone who feels different like that, you are the problem in this country. Yes. Because you are the kind of people who go, well, you don't have an opinion that, you know, matters. And that's, that's an issue. But I think that that's the thing of this documentary is, is that it's kind of the thing, though, that Jasper is saying I do feel is important is going that kind of what um, actually you were saying, Joshua, is, is that the, what is un-American or undemocratic is people who are ever going to stop questioning things or, or seeking well, yeah, out we, the information. question everything. Thing. And that's and they why should. it's wrong to have an, uh, an environment where people with money and influence are trying to shut down and that's and, and going back that's to the thing is is that that's the important part of the documentary that i feel in an hour and a half after victor had recommended this and i would watched it was is like wow you had like a really great story that you turned into you know your own narrative as opposed well, to there, uh, the, the narrative there thing. is to make it accessible i mean yeah, that's the thing it, you it, have to make things accessible so there's a conversation yeah, but they starts. they could have done a way better job on it and i felt like it's one of those things where it, it's just the way you put it victor it was that the first half it's like could have been a much smaller lead-in mm. to a really good story that was like unfortunately only I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of yeah, the movie? I, I do feel the second half of the movie could have been its own movie. Could but have been a great I, I movie. I feel like, like I said, I, there's a bigger implication there that had, and I feel like they did want to explore the politics there, and they were much more inherent in the second story. Because they spent a lot of time with Gawker saying, oh, we do need to talk about Peter Thiel because he believes in cryogenics and that's yeah they went off that weird cryogenic like was weird (laughs) yeah well the other weird weird one was in the vegas one too where they went on about the guy for like three or four minutes what he looked like they're like he was fat and he was ugly yeah and i'm sitting here going like what does that have to do with anything if a person's appearance is this is what the like you're spending minutes. It didn't tie about. into the plot. It didn't I, yeah. at all. It was just yeah. That's where yeah. it started meandering. But could have been great. Yeah. Um. But I I do I do still recommend it. Because oh yeah it, yeah. It's it worth checking out. We'll I'm thinking I need to watch it because in my mind I'm still trying to figure out how the two stories are connected. And that's it, I think it's, where it's, you know all, I mean? it's about. all about a chilling effect. People, yeah. It, well, let me break it down without really talking about it. If somebody has if somebody has money and they like. And there's like a newspaper that's gonna say money something bad about the guy with money. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna buy the newspaper oh, yeah. so they don't say anything yeah. bad about me." That's what it is. It creates a chilling effect. And they kind of uh, actually go yeah. back to the William Randolph Hearst thing, yeah, which was actually a really good tie-in too. As I wish they had kind of used that as yeah. a historical. Yeah, build yeah, up. it was really yeah. good. Well, um, I feel like that was a good recovery from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another really actually on another recommendation. Another edge of Armageddon. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. it's and that's if the, you're still with us. Yeah, yeah, if you're still. But um, the other one that actually Victor recommended, Time which I finally stamps. got from the um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, Shout Factory sale was the Autopsy of Gene Doe, yes. which was actually I've Victor's, still never seen this movie. Oh, it was in um, no, it's good. Victor's yeah. uh, top list last year, but it came out like I'll right around Christmas. Cool, yeah. So I never got Love a chance it. to see it. I think it was only in a couple theaters here, and it went like right out. So you I can VOD really, it also, Josh. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely VOD it. But um, I got I got the slip cover. So that's, that's the only, main that was reason. the important part. All right, so uh, I'm gonna say this just to jump in since we're pre- uh, so I had ordered a ton of shit from the Screen Factory uh, sale, right? And I thought I'd gotten most of it. 
The other day, I went to the post office, and I got two boxes from Screen Factory. Oh, nice. Right? I'm like, okay. So I opened one up, and it had the double feature of Blackula, Scream, Bacula, Scream. It had the... And then it also had... uh, What else? Troll and Troll 2, right? Uh, With the best worst movie inside. And then I opened up the other one, the the, the third one in there, and it was uh, Life Force, the Toby Hooper movie. I'm like, sure. oh, cool. Then I'm like, okay, well, what's in this other box? And I open it up, and it's the double feature of Blackula Scream, Blackula Scream, Troll, <laughs> well, Troll 2, two, Best Worst Movie, and Life Force. So they sent me the same thing twice. And you only got charged once? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, I might be willing to buy a few of those. Did you send them back? Or what? No, I still have <laughs> This is the timestamp. Bank error in your favor. This is the timestamp where you make sure Shout Factory's not listening. <laughs> but that's cool. Sorry, suckers. Um, yeah, I'll definitely wheel and deal. With well, that. I actually I, had a situation like that where I got double refunded from Amazon. Oh, wow. nice. <laughs> I, you know what? Pre, um, pre, uh, what do you call it? The pre-tax Wild Wild West to Amazon right. was amazing. Yeah, Not only right. for the deals on high-end items, but man, I used to get doubles of so much. <laughs> um, and then the only other, uh, but uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, really enjoyable. Um, definitely worth checking out. A very um. Not as, I mean, it's kind of like, I think it was a, there's a Stephen King quote on it, like, don't watch it alone. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's that intense. Maybe no. that's just because it's kind of my genre, but it is really I well love told. He kind of likes everything. Yeah, Stephen he does. King, I love that movie, though. It, but it, is, it is a great that movie. That is still yeah. in my top, that, that's my top ten of this year. Awesome. It, um, just the originality alone, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that really makes it work above all else is it is a tiny cast of, like, Yes. And even the girl who's cast as Jane, Jane Doe, Doe, like, I mean, she gives a performance. It's not just yeah. a, uh, just some girl. Yeah. It's not yeah. like they did, like, a body cast and just left her. When yeah. you got a movie that's con- that's pretty much consists of one building and two people, yeah, that's three what people, I mean. you, that movie has got to be good or it's going to be horrible. It basically yeah. you know? is a play put to film. Yeah. And yeah. it's amazing. Um, And then the last one, I, you know, it's just kind of one of those ones where we were talking about, I think, months ago, like, What's the guilty pleasure things you're looking forward to? I, I got to admit, even though I wasn't really a huge fan when I was a kid or anything because I was like in high school, but I had to see Power Rangers. <laughs> I, knew oh, that was, uh, I knew it was yeah, coming. And it actually um, ended up being pretty good. I'm not going to say it's amazing or anything, but um, definitely the first one is, is that it's funny. I've seen a bunch of reviews on it that were like, you know, it should have gone further, been more like because it had a PG thirteen. It could have been like a Suicide Squad. Or it just makes me think of that uh, Power Rangers parody movie that Joseph Kahn did, the yeah. R rated. Yeah. Like... But that was amazing, <laughs> and this is like halfway between that and the original show. R rated My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Baronies. <laughs> well, hey, that's my number one dream. Will always be oh, the R the R rated. Uh, no, not that, Chief. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's no broniage here. Rule 34, um, man. Yeah, no rule 34. <laughs> but I actually know, I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, that uh, my number one wish, which will never come true, is an R-rated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like Ooh, the original comic. The original. I, could, I could actually see that happening. Well, not with well, Nickelodeon owning it. the whole it thing. Anytime. Like, a lot of people who d- might not know is, like, when, like, the Ninja Turtles started, it was basically... The Mirage a, it was, Yeah, it was a parody of Frank Miller's Daredevil. Right. So it was very, like, violent. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and just wearing and all, all, all red. red yeah, yeah. And I just think that would be amazing. But um, Power Rangers, for what was, like I said, it doesn't really has a lot more um, uh, kind of, like, adult or toilet humor or whatever. Way more than I expected. 
they look good and the stuff are good. It's just, you know, you talk about, uh, that's the last thing I'll say was just the, uh, you need know, to talk about editing. Yeah. They really just didn't know how to edit like <laughs> at all, like in any way, shape or form. And it's just way too mishmash. Uh, it's hard to, see, you know, cause it's like, I liked the, the second Ninja Turtles so movie so much more than the first one. I wish that had been the first one with Krang and yeah. Bebop and Rocksteady. Cause even then I would still haven't like, seen it. Yeah, I mean that's what it is because the first one. If was you so want to watch the live action cartoon, that is it. Victor yeah, and I saw the that's like the movie movies. they yeah. should have done. I, mean, instead yeah. of I other... didn't hate the first yeah. movie. I mean, I but it's hate nowhere it. near as good really? as the second yeah, one. All right, I'll watch no. it. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Mm. But um, the Power Rangers. Yeah, no, say a little bloated. It's almost two hours, and wow. it's like, wow, this should not be this Man, long. A Michael Bay kind of bloat. I will. Uh, I will rent it at Superstar Video. And and there is a um, spoiler. I won't put too much out or a stinger at the end with the Green Ranger, but not getting assassinated Comic Con. But <laughs> hey, yeah, that's pretty funny. Anything you had, Victor? Um, let's see. Let me restart this. Oh yeah. Um, so I no, I mean I saw Baby Driver, which we'll talk about Definitely. in a minute, and um, I saw um. Spider-Man Homecoming, which it comes out to, uh, to, uh, when we're taping this, it comes mm-hmm. out tonight. Yeah. It'll probably be posted tomorrow. Um, um, there's a lot of good buzz around that. Thing. I liked it. And I mean, I'll, uh, here's my review of it. Like, I hate Spider-Man. I hate the character of Spider-Man. Mm. Like, I, I've never been able to relate to the character. Um, I don't like the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Like the... I've seen all three of the Tobey Maguire ones, and I'm just it, to me it still seemed unrelatable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even watch the Andrew Garfield ones. I'm just yeah. like I'm just not even. Well, you I enjoyed those. Yeah. I actually enjoyed but those better than the first. I will three. say this: Interesting. I enjoyed Spider-Man: Homecoming more than I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Wow! And yeah. I liked mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Nice. I think that I was. I mean, the, the time. The further I get away from Guardians Two. Yeah. The less yeah, I like it's it. It's a much yeah. better movie than Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy 2. And to me, it's actually a better movie than Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, oh, I mean, a lot of movies are no, better no, 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 than the but, Age of yeah, Ultron. Yeah, what I'm saying, it's like, it's like a good Marvel universe. Well, I think right. you said this was on. Like on a little below with like, within uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. that. So like, I was going to say that's that's it, a glowing feels, recommendation to me. It feels like a John Hughes Marvel Universe movie. That's pretty cool. So and, how how Robert Downey Jr. felt is it? Is okay. it as much as the trailers? <laughs> no, no. I, actually, described? I did. I told uh, my friend and colleague uh, Roger Tennis from the film Phoenix Film Critics Society that I I feel like. It has just the right amount of phoned in Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because I was expecting them to to like go like way too much. And right. It's like, he's there, but he's like he doesn't have a part in any climactic fight scenes or anything. He's kind of like a mentor figure without spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say at the end, there's a subversion of something that happens in the Civil War com- comic with spider-man and iron man because this movie's set like in that sweet spot yeah. of i was gonna Captain say it's America a bummer civil that this War. wasn't before civil war yeah you know? this happens yeah. after the fight in the airplane in berlin in civil war but right. before the end of the movie yeah okay if, if that oh, makes wow. sense continuity okay. so the whole movie happens <laughs> like after that fight scene but before the end of the movie okay wow yeah um but yeah so it's, it's, it's real- an equal yes so I will say, um, 
I, I this is the so one. So what thing. was Robert Downey Jr. doing the whole time? <laughs> between, oh, I guess I mean no, no, no. This is what I'm saying. It happens after that fight where you know the oh, Avenger. The end. Oh, okay. yeah, and, but before the end of the movie. Before the end of when there, you know, there's a period of time that passes after that fight where War Machine is injured and Captain yeah, yeah, America yeah. goes to. I guess, I guess, just in the yeah. cinematic yeah. timing, it just doesn't feel that long. Yeah, right, it I doesn't. Guess. But it's like I guess, this is what yeah. I've I often said. This is a big one of the big problems with Civil War. Why I don't feel it holds up as a movie is there is a huge period of time that passes in between when the Avengers are arrested and taken to that prison Mm -hmm. and uh, the end of the movie. It's at least a year. Right. You know, and this. Oh yeah, you are oh, right. Yeah. There yeah. is a time. There is a. There is. That's see. That's what gets me on that. So are we gonna get like a super cut of like Civil War? I was totally Spider-Man thinking that. I yeah, because totally that's one of those things. You know how they always do the Marvel. They try to do them in order, yeah. and you can't really do I it hope with Spider-Man because you have to like overlap them. <laughs> pause. Pause yeah, it. Pause it. Yeah. They come back. <laughs> right. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a like a DJ thing. They're like, "Hold on, yeah. I got my screens running." Yeah, let right. me, I let will. Me start I will it up. say, uh, like I said, I'm trying very hard not to spoil it. Please stay to the entire. You end did of say the that credits. the last. Yeah, time, I'm, yeah, I'm remembering that from the last yeah. episode. Final, so yeah, yeah. final stinger or something. Is yes, that like is the best. amazing. Okay, awesome. Okay. All right, and now we will quickly get into our feature presentation. Yes, dun, 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 where dun, we will dun. talk about. The directorial retrospective on Edgar Wright, creator of the TV series Spaced, and of the auteur of the Cornetto trilogy. Ladies and and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Edgar Wright. (laughs) So, um, yeah, for the, you know, we all saw a lot of, a bunch of us saw Baby Driver, which to me is very up there. It's in my top three of the year. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Like, I mean, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Like, because I think everybody's a little different. I know, like, some of you guys like to kind of wait till the end of the year. I know that I will just, like, consistently forget movies that make a big impact for me. So, like, I kind of have an ongoing list that then gets reordered as new movies come out. But right now, I swear, dude, it is like Bad Batch, Get Out, Baby Driver. Like, they are just all just, I don't know which is number one, two, three. Yeah, they're all in my top five. Right. For sure. Yeah, I think Get Out is pretty is the king of the mountain right now. I think it is too, but it's also the one that's been out the longest. It's the one I've seen the most. Yeah, you know, and that's another thing too is you got to really kind of marinate on films. Mm-hmm. But Baby Driver, I mean, I I saw it for a second time on uh, I think it was Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I went to go see it for a second time on Sunday, and uh, boy, that movie holds up. And it's also one of those movies that's just a blast to go see with your friends that haven't seen it. Yeah. You know. Um, well, oh, it's interesting interesting trying to find ways to describe it and mm-hmm. i think the way i've described it it kind of holds where i'm thinking where it lies because i to me i'm kind of like it's kind of like true romance with like you know i can't a lot of people haven't seen the drivers and like sure. true romance meets drive is yeah. a good way to describe it to people but like to me true romance is like one of my favorite tarantino movies uh-huh so that's kind of where i'll place that i've been kind of describing it as like a musical version of fast and the furious i've said the um the tarantino thing i go but without tarantino and people are like (laughs) well yeah of course it's not tarantino i go no without tarantino do you understand what i'm saying (laughs) here like no tarantino 
no I even the dialogue some people go it's very Tarantino esque. I like, feel like that's anybody describes the movie as a lot of dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Tarantino-ish. But that's and that's not what, realizing that's how most seventies movies are. Were, sure, yeah. all, sure, of course. Well you also you know, when you have limited budget and stuff, so you know, you got to do one like bullet like chase scene or, you know, the finale of the great escape or whatever we want to look at it, you mm-hmm. know. I um the one thing I honed in first and foremost was Josh's um you know it's not it's not like some uh massive like uh oh man that flew under the rare observation but it's like the music is oh, yeah. ties everything 110 yeah. percent. well like, that's kind of what i'm liking right now about movies is how much music is informing the films of 2017 and like it, especially with the bad batch because mm-hmm. the more i think about the bad batch like a big reason that movie works is the music and yeah, that's actually yeah, yeah. just to bring it back to Watchmen. That's a big reason why that movie's not higher on my all-time list because it's a very '80s movie, and yeah. it doesn't pick like to me quintessentially '80s songs. And in some way, it picks. I kind of feel like they did that on purpose, though. Like, here's my mm. issue with Watchmen: is that it has things like "99 Luck Balloons" in a place yeah, where I hate yeah. that song <laughs> in like, yeah. that movie, and it has no place. It where has it no is. emotional yeah. resonance yeah. in that because she's like either. walking in, and it should be like this song that's like really makes you feel something. And it, I mean, really, that song. I mean, I mean, I actually think "99 Luck Balloons" with what that song's actually about yeah, is an interesting say, tie-in. Yeah. In, yeah. But in the place that it's used is completely inappropriate, and to use like the sound of silence at a funeral. <laughs> Like, wow, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, you know, and I mean, the times they are a change in, like, come on. I it's know, like, actually, times they are a change in. I, I, I feel like that, that opening. No, I thought that opening right. worked really well with that well, song. It's also, it tie it's in also... thematically so much. Well, yeah. maybe because they're showing the war and how it affects But it's just all America. very obvious. It's yeah. obvious, but right. that, that's the only one to me that does work. The Hallelujah is a little... Oh, over. I hate oh, how yeah. they use yeah. that song just a little bit. Thanks for ruining Land of to me, yeah. There's a scene where um, he's meeting ruin. with Lee Iacocca, <laughs> in, and then there's a Muzak version of Everybody Wants to Rule yeah, the yeah, World, yeah, 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 and yeah. it's so downplayed. I'm like, for fuck's sake, just play the goddamn song. Yeah, exactly. The so, um, other one, too, in, in Watchmen, or um, or one of the ones with the, um, shit, I just lost it, but it was so there with, you know, a lot of these ones where they pick those like extremely obvious ones is right. just that. Oh shit! I totally lost it. I'm sorry. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I had but to I, let Victor I, I will say finally that on put that, his fist down you know, on that. <laughs> as far as the um the the soundtracks of like let's you know talk about like Baby Driver and Bad Batch, it is it does seem um very kind of most retro. You know, yeah. um, that's something that you don't see a lot anymore. Where music is such an important role, yeah. and I think about like that's you know you're right i do think that that a very big part of why the bad batch works is because of the music i also say the same thing about um a clockwork orange yeah you know i mean i, I say the same thing about me, like most Kubrick's, i almost in fact. think like part of the reason like with the bad batch or even baby driver it's like it's because it's somebody who grew up with those songs right recontextualizing them how they saw them saw songs in movies right versus in Watchmen, it's kind of like it's an older filmmaker and it's like 
well, I need a period song. Yeah. I'll pick yeah, that it's, one. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like putting, you know, it's like having, a, you know, Vietnam and putting for what it's worth again. Yeah. You know, and, and, and oh, it's um, like, what, yeah. what was the joke? I think me and Ruby were talking about this, or, or me, one of you guys. It's like all along the watchtowers, right. the theme music of the Vietnam War. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wasn't yeah, yeah. well, that yeah. kind of even intoned in Tropic Thunder? That oh, yeah. Yes. Like yeah, yeah. Such oh, a I mean, that, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a joke, but here it's treated seriously. Yeah. And those movies are contemporaneous because Tropic. Tropic Thunder came out a year before Watchmen. Yeah. Um, And I definitely think that, um, you know, there are some filmmakers, and I think that, I mean, you can really probably count them on one, maybe two hands, where music is an integral part of their work. I mean, I definitely think that Anna Lily Amirpour is on there. Um, You know, Wes Anderson, obviously, Sophia Coppola, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, David Lynch. um, You know, but I think that definitely Edgar Wright is in there. Oh, Um, yeah. He's in the mix. Especially, um, like, in Shaun of the Dead. Dead. Right. Yeah. Well, look, look at um, or or look at for the example, world's end. the world's end. Yes. Exactly, oh, that yeah. whole fight scene in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. and Amazing. that's actually probably not to jump ahead too much, but to me, that's probably the most memorable part to that film. Oh, I love the world's end. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, we can even movie. let's just start. No, there. no, no I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm, no, but it really does jump off into the, one of the things where you know you talk about. For me, it's like um. You know, people always go, it's funny, Victor, we were talking about this, um, Victor and Ruby had a party a few days ago, um, they kindly invited me to, and it was, um, one of the things that we were talking about was, um, I had mentioned our, uh, NCAA bracket of films that Adam had made, and I said, and it's really funny when you get down to the tough choices and things, is that, I think a lot of people look at me and go, ah, oh, I bet you Shaun of the Dead's your favorite. And it's like, no, actually, Hot Fuzz is my favorite. <laughs> like, I, I think Fuzz, Hot Fuzz is probably the best of those best, three Cornetto the, movies. The Cornetto movies, without a doubt. But I think he is, um, it's one of those ones where, to me, um, it's funny how, you know, you make a, a film with each of these components. So, like, the importance of music, the importance of these different pieces. But for me, Hot Fuzz is every single one perfect. Yeah. 100%. Like, Everything hits absolutely in sync, whereas I feel like Shaun of the Dead is great. It's fun. It's re- it's it's almost like the way a lot of films are. Uh, a trilogy mm-hmm. is, is that the first film to me tends to be the most rewatchable. Right. The second film tends to be the and always, of course, the first thing people think of is Empire, but sure. it is, or even like the, the Two Towers. Chapter. Yeah, it's the the second is the darker chapter. The more even if it's not dark, it hits on something. Hot sure. Fuzz obviously hits on the police and how mm-hmm. communities are you know shadowy and the whole uh what do you call it like gated community culture and right. fear of people and i love that that's like one of the most intelligent fun ones and then for me the world's end is a fun film like or yeah you know it, it, i enjoyed it um but it was one of those ones where it's just not very memorable to me. Yeah, I, I, um, I really, really like The World's End, like as a piece of filmmaking. Um, but what here's why I think The World's End it does not get as much play, um, in terms of you know how much people love it or talk about it is that I think that it's not as easily uh, put in a capsule. You know, the first film, obviously, with Shaun of the Dead, is clearly what you know what that movie is. Yeah. It's a zombie movie. You know, the second movie is an action movie. What exactly is The World's End? Well, I mean, it's an alien movie yeah it's, it's an alien movie. Yeah. movie it's an alien movie and it's a stepford wives movie yes, yeah exactly which to me it's wives. like it's funny that now the stepford wives i feel is more in currency because of get out yeah and i in a way i almost feel like if the world's end came out now it would probably right. be received better yeah but i think another reason that that's like people's least favorite cornetto movie is because 
people like Simon Pegg being likable. Yeah. yeah. And this one, it's like, uh, people love that duo. And here it's like, he's a fuck-up alcoholic, and Nick Frost is a stick in the mud. Yeah, exactly. So they're playing totally against type. And all the side characters kind of get their shine on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, here's uh, well, and it's also Invasion of the Body Snatchers too. Yeah, I mean, a big, big time me, Invasion yeah. of Body Snatchers. But um, I also think that that film, weirdly enough, is the most British of all of them. Oh, um, yeah. you know, Without like it, you know. So I think that's why it, I think over here across the pond, as it were, that it has a hard time because you know, it, oh yeah, pubs, pub culture yeah, is a big thing. Exactly. In you know, and I think here it's like to me like. Like, at least in movies, drinking movies have become, like, superseded by, like, as bro movies. Right, right. Um, but yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's really funny because I just rewatched The World's End and, um, you know, the levels at which that film operates that I didn't even realize. And I've watched it a lot. But during the opening part where he's describing um, where Peter King is talking about their original adventure, yeah. you know, and he's like, so first we hit up da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, and then, you know, and then he's describing literally the entire film you're about to watch. Yeah. And I didn't realize that before. <laughs> so all the things that happen to the characters while they're young are exactly what happens to them in the film you're yeah. about to watch yeah. in the exact order that it happens, even to the point where they're like, and then we went to the boathouse. And then in a later in the movie, they yeah. go to the boathouse and they're like, let's go to the boathouse. Like, why not? You know, and it was just like, and, and it's he's so just trying cool. to relive it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But that's a big part of, you know, it's funny you hit on the pub culture thing but if you really look at all three films in the cornetto it's like they are all about that small town life because Mm -hmm. that is largely people always think of london and they they always visualize these you know the city and you know i said but it's really boring in the bulk of the uk i mean and that's the first thing most british people would tell you yeah is is that life is is they're all small towns or rural yeah hell shit half the stuff is literally the slard lamb from american world and london <laughs> like yeah. just modern updates but there's, to me there's just like and one of the you know how they're going through and reliving the thing mm-hmm. at the beginning i think one of my favorite things about that movie is how the entire movie he's trying so hard to look like andrew eldritch from Sisters of Mercy. Uh, oh, sure, sure. And at the beginning, he looks like him right when the band right. starts. Then, like, later on, you know, while, while the movie's going, it's kind of like from a few years ago. Uh-huh. And in the post-apocalyptic, he's wearing the <laughs> yes. giant hat that he wears now. Yes, It's he like is. he never really grows, so but he does. It's right. really funny. Um, and oh, then, wait. Jasper, I didn't yeah. tell you guys this, but your food pyramid is upside down. <laughs> it goes uh oh, okay the world's end <laughs> Shaun of the dead hot fuzz for me oh, oh awesome and let awesome. me let me tell let me let me tell you why hot fuzz i love the movie but it frustrates the living shit out of me because i i really struggle and maybe this is a personal thing for me i struggle when somebody knows what's going on and they kind of know what the, the right thing is happening and but and everybody makes fun of them and nobody believes them right and i don't know if that says something about my psyche but <laughs> that movie i laughed and i got angry and i got sad and i got happy it, it covered the gauntlet which is a good thing in a movie but to me it's the most unwatchable because it frustrates me so bad unrewatchable not unwatchable. oh gotcha, gotcha. the if i was going to pick one not to rewatch it would be that one because it frustrates me the world's end I think, and sadly, I think I relate a little too much with Simon Pegg's main character, <laughs> you know, which is a sad thing. But, you know, we all have our, you know, our rock idols. Do you want to be free? Yeah, do yes. what you want any old time? Yes. <laughs> and uh, 
I gotta go to the temple of love. But no, uh, you, I don't know. There's just something about you, you were never as good as you thought you were. Yeah. And I think that was the whole crux of that movie was he thought he was the coolest, you know, and he's seeing now, you know, I'm still trying to be a 17 year old because I want to still be cool, but. I'm not 17 anymore. I'm 40. I mean, yeah. I'm, all my other friends I, have moved on. I think he is that is. in every movie. He's Sean. He's like, everything's sure. going great. Yeah. Why have a thing? And then when but Sean, Pop though, Pop, I think Sean was in my head. I know everything's not going great, but I have to tell myself it is because I can't yeah. change it. But right? then in Hot you know? Buzz, he's like, I'm doing great. I am the best. Yes. And right. I don't realize what's actually important in life because right. I'm so ambition driven. And then at the world's end, it's like zero era, um, you know. Exactly. Is, I have zero ambition and everything is going great. Yeah. I so think something like, to uh, hit upon with the world's end as well, though, is um, I think there's something really interesting happening. I mean, it's like, for example, when they go on the, the you know, the pub crawl and all the pubs are the exact same. Right. Yeah. And they've all been like, you know, TGI Friday down to the same know? bartenders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes. Um, and and I think that that's making a statement on kind of the, um, you know, the I don't know what the the Rudy Giuliani of the world, yeah. you know, and how like. The yeah you know right you know how that the edge has been lost on the world i mean if you look at what one thing i think about is in the film that i absolutely adore um is martin scorsese's casino yeah. um and how in the end of that film they have um you know and it's they have that shot of all these old people with like walkers, like slowly walking out of a casino and they show like the, the, the pirate uh, show that's happening and they, you know, and it's all still shot like the rest of the movie is, but it shows how everything's been Disney fied, yeah. you know, and how, and how times square is cleaned up. Right. And really that is the case. I mean, things are cleaner, they're less dangerous, but I think that's also exemplified, not just in that film. And he's making a statement on that, but also look at all of his friends, his friends have also, all cleaned up they're like that pub yeah. you know they've all grown up and they're 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 not you know like you know troublemakers anymore but they're also kind of boring and so peter king is trying to essentially hold on to that that old yeah. dirty reality well yeah especially when uh martin freeman's character is replaced by a pod person <laughs> right and he actually likes him yeah. better yes because he's <laughs> filling he's filling the role that he always thought he should fill yeah like you're doing just what I want you to do. Now <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I do want to say that just um, one thing I also love about um, The World's End is that I think that um, it's some of Simon Pegg's best action, frankly, until Baby Driver. Or I'm sorry, not Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright. Um, I feel that like Edgar Wright is, you know, he gets better and better and better with every film. Like his craft is getting better. And I think you can see that if you look at the the progression of everything. I mean, that Shauna, the Dead Soul is awesome action in it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, but, I mean, if you really look, I mean, the action sequences in The World's End are fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. They're so but good. But the ones in Hot Fuzz for me are the ones that, because it is an action movie. <laughs> right. And how well, it's it plays a parody those, of yeah, action the parody movies. Of it, yes. So understand I mean. how, how to do a parody, you have sure. to understand why something works. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. But that's what I'm saying. It's not... A Again, like a Captain Obvious moment, mm -hmm. it's that it works, and he does. And I agree with you. It's very much is that uh, Edgar Wright. All his films do have progression, or at least a, a um, what do you call it? Like a vision quest, a, yeah. a moment of self realization. And then you know, obviously, it hits apex here for me in Baby Driver, 
which I love. I, I want to say first of all, it is an incredible film. But why it works is it does have that twofold reason. It works completely on its own. But when you take it as an Edgar Wright film, to me, it elevates it to the next level. Because yeah. it, it is something where people are going, hey, where's the uh, fat guy in the, you know what I mean? Like it becomes <laughs> like yeah. people who don't know his work but sure. know his films. They go, well, you know, that's what you have. Like that's your crutch. You know, it's like it's your um, your, it's a lot of people who end up having too many like uh you start and i go and you know you talk about the disneyfication the chili uh, chiliization uh, yeah is do you know who for me is the number one of that offender is tim burton oh is, yeah. is that's oh, where yeah. that's where you end up when yeah. you start as a, a really amazing innovative filmmaker edgy. artist edgy yeah, right. exactly it came that and then you become is in and, and the biggest part about his edginess is is not it's edginess with success yeah it's like he succeeded a hundred percent well i mean what are we talking about edgar Wright? no 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 i'm right, saying right. with um tim burton yeah and that's the point because he's is, lost his edge. yeah he's yeah. completely lost yeah. it whereas edgar Wright always had it and now it's, yeah, just it's like, like but he's really you know what he hasn't himself. had is success yeah, yeah. yeah right exactly. and that's and this is one thing that with edgar Wright, and i mean just anecdotally i can tell you i've talked to so many people i mean i had this bro at work come up to me and he's some like bro ass bro too right <laughs> and he's like dude you, I, you know i heard you talking about baby driver that movie is freaking awesome that might be my favorite movie of all time now man that movie is great who made that movie and i was like oh have you ever seen Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz he's like oh whoa that's that same guy that made that movie like so many people i've had like oh that baby driver movie is awesome or looks yeah. awesome and they're approaching it like you would approach a fast and the furious movie like they're approaching it in this totally like oh i don't know what this movie is but it's got jamie fox in it you know like and and it's got cars so i'm gonna go see it and um i think what's interesting about this movie is that edgar wright and i think it's really interesting because it's uh, you know it's not co-written by simon Pegg, which is yeah. i believe um i mean i can't remember who wrote um uh uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Scott Pilgrim was uh, written by. Um, oh, it wasn't it. Um, Joe Cornish wrote that with him. Um, I think no. Joe Cornish wrote um, uh, Attack well, the Block. Well, I know, but I th- I thought that go- Joe I think Joe it's Cornish an actor um, actually. It's one of the guys who was in Inglorious Bastards. Really, he's actually in that scene in the uh, in the uh, staircase. You are totally right, Michael Bacall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was. It was. You're right. It was, it was written by Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall, and I do know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Looking at this guy, um, but so I mean, I think having because this is just Edgar Wright, yeah. and I think that you can feel that with Baby Driver, it it feels like it's got its own voice to it, yeah. and that's why I love it. Separated out from the Cornetto trilogy, separated out from Scott Pilgrim, which I don't think we've you know talked about a lot. We love Scott Pilgrim here. I, mean, oh, yeah. I love this. I mean, you're showing it um, this month, later this month, um, you know, as a tie in to a game on Expo. Yeah. Um, you know, Scott Pilgrim is fantastic as well. But what I think is really awesome about Baby Driver is it feels American, you know, mm-hmm. and it's this first first film, first project of any kind that's actually set in America. Yeah, um, it actually is. Like and, all his other movies are set in England or Canada. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I feel that that's one of the reasons that in you know to, to choose to set it in Atlanta, for example, um, rather than putting it in L.A., which has been shot a million yeah. times and everybody's seen and looks hackneyed. Well, and that's I think one of the weird reasons, you know, because everything is shot in Atlanta now. But he makes that movie feel right. like oh, you're understanding where everything is. It's like in Scott Pilgrim, where it's filmed in Toronto, and right. I've been to Toronto. And all the places they go to are real places, yep. just like in 
baby driver, like even pizza pizza. I'm like there where he tells you things are or where things are if you were to go there. Yep, yep. And I like that. Like you're getting this weird authenticity mm-hmm. to it. And I you know and you can wonder there's lots of reasons you can wonder why didn't uh Scott Pilgrim hit the way it was gonna hit. Like maybe you could say it was Michael Sarah and people didn't like sure. Michael Sarah. Or maybe it was just too indie. It's a, of a really comic. weird movie. I think it found its audience later. It's one of those last movies one of the last movies where like it made a bigger dent in in its Blu-ray and oh, yeah. subsequent no, and life. I think, I think it had it had a built in audience, obviously. And that's based on yeah, a, its source material video game culture was really st- i mean if it come out a few years later yeah especially with the retro community like 2014 oh yeah. i think you well, would have had an even bigger it, hit it but. references so many things like the other day even on twitter i was talking about because uh, i had recently gotten a copy of uh, brian de palma's fan of the paradise uh-huh. on dvd and i watched it and i was like holy fuck this movie scott pilgrim and you rewatch it, it's like, yeah, Gideon Graves is Swan, right? You know, uh, which was an amazing uh, appearance in Baby Driver. I was like, holy shit, it's fucking oh, yeah. Swan! Like, yeah, Paul Williams. Yeah, I wasn't he expecting best, it at all. One of the best like little roles in that movie. He's the butcher. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah totally. No yeah. pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I think it's just Scott Pilgrim. It just felt like the moment I saw that movie, like, oh, this is a cult. Yeah. This is a cult film that's already happened the day it's come out. I mean, I feel I feel that way about, about you know about like the Bad Batch yeah. as well. Like sometimes you just know you look at a movie, well, you see its box did office. Shaun of the Dead. Did that movie make money when it came out? Not over here, it didn't. No. Yeah, no. and it's it wasn't, it wasn't that big a thing. I don't think. Yeah, and it's weird because it kind of came out at the height of like the zombie thing, right? But not like the new height, like the post Walking Dead height. What well, was the uh, the Twenty Eight Days Later hit? Yeah, well, yeah. and that yeah. but that was also well, and the Dawn of the serious, Dead remake as well. Serious phase too. You're not talking yeah. uh, Zombie Land. I think or a lot of I those. think uh, Shaun of the Dead was big in certain like for us it was big. Yeah, for Karen and I, we were totally excited for that movie when it came out. I didn't see Shaun of the Dead till probably two years after it Shaun came out. Shaun of the Dead was yeah. six point one million dollars and made thirty million. So and it, it was considered yeah. a critical okay. and commercial success. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I actually, so it was funny because, like, when I saw things about Shaun of the Dead, like, I thought it was, like, one of these, like, scary movie type movies. Yeah. You know? Like, I thought, because just the name, I think, uh, alone, um, it, well, it made nowadays, me think. Well, nowadays, it's like, Jesus, there's so many of them, what, like, Life After Beth. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the other? The X. The X. Yeah, there's so many yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, what I hope with um, Baby Driver, and it, well, it's true. I mean, it's happened. Baby Driver is, is a straight up success. Like, yeah. For its budget oh. and the amount of money it's made. Yeah, um, I just want to quick say too, mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz was twelve million budget, eighty million box office. Awesome. And wow. the world's end was let's see here. Twenty million budget, forty six point one million Ooh, that yeah. was not that was rough. much. much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was the uh and it's um you know but uh, but again Edgar Wright's never broken a hundred a hundred million yeah. in the but states. Twi- but hot fuzz, that's I mean I remember it getting like a lot of really positive. I remember word of mouth, I worked but... on the uh, on the um well a lot of people might not know this but like I did marketing for movies mm-hmm. before like I moved here and hot fuzz was one of the movies I worked on the promotion for like I built the uh, MySpace and social websites right. For and they spent a good amount of money marketing mm-hmm. that movie. And I remember when they sent me the trailers for that, I'm like, 
whoa, this is interesting. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Josh's point with uh, Cornish was Adventures of Tintin and Ant-Man. Right, okay, so it was Ant-Man that he was working. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, because Edgar Wright also co-wrote uh, Tintin, right? Yes. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is a completely underappreciated yeah. film. And if we're talking about Edgar Wright, we should talk about Tintin it just in the way that, say, I think that movie is freaking awesome. Um, yeah, I think it was a little too Peter Jackson at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, st- I still feel the uh, the Spielberg in that film yeah. tremendously. I mean, I, to me, it just it feels like Spielberg's first uh, computer animated film, which mm-hmm. is what it is. It was um, Spielberg's passion project. Oh yeah, without oh, a yeah. doubt, that yeah. was the number one. And I'm thing still I... bummed that that movie I don't think is ever actually going to get the sequel. You know, because no. that was the whole idea is that Peter Jackson was going to do the second one, and the Spielberg was going to do the first one, and no, they were each going to produce. It's a girl with the dragon tattoo scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, but I love Tintin. I think the action sequences in Tintin are freaking outstanding, I, and it's like, yeah. a, and I think uh, Andy Circus is amazing in Andy that movie. Andy Circus is amazing. Um, but in everything you know, he does. I mean, he really is. He's one right. of the truly, yeah. especially if you ever get a chance to see a movie called um, Death Watch. Mm-hmm. He, it's one of his roles where he's not, um, you know, obviously like CGI right. or anything. It's a uh, World War One story. It's a zombie story, but it's an incredibly harrowing movie. Awesome. We're checking um, out. So but yeah, so plug. like uh, I definitely, um, as far as... Uh, you know, Ed, Edgar Wright goes, I also think that, that we should give some lip service because I brought it up on the show a little bit ago, but space. space. Um, like, you know, seriously, if you have not seen Spaced and you're a fan of Edgar Wright, like you have to go back and watch it because it's like you really get where his entire, you know, aesthetic came from and his style. And I mean, him and, and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, you know, kind of their their whole ratatat style and the quick mm-hmm. editing and heavy use of music. Um, it all comes directly from Spaced. Um, and that's something that's awesome because Edgar Wright does every single episode of Spaced, right? So it's not like something where it's like, yeah, he came in, created a show, did the first three episodes, and then other people picked yeah. it up. Like, every single episode is done by Edgar Wright. So when you watch it, and it's something like, I don't know, I think like 18 episodes, the whole the, the season one and season two, I mean, you are gifted with like this nine-hour-long Edgar Wright yeah. film. Well, it, it, it leads a lot to this whole thinking where like TV is becoming like the school where a lot of great directors are yeah. finding their voice, like, you know Edgar Wright there, and like even with um, uh, Jordan Peele with mm-hmm. uh, Key and Peele, because like that, like I remember seeing this interview. He was like, "Well, I did. We did Key and Peele, and everything is a skit. I mean, if you do the math, it's like." hundreds of short films yeah. over time in a wide variety of styles you know joe and anthony russo yeah um, exactly you know starting in tv i mean that's really what they're they're, yeah. they're going for for a lot of these marvel movies is they're going for people that started in tv yeah I, and i think the old way of doing it was it's funny or a, a period in the last 10 years 15 years was i remember when it was that you banked on your uh, music video directors when music videos were mini films right right people were really banking on them totally. to become like Right. television that, is the new music yeah, video right. oh yeah know? without a doubt yeah it definitely is um but yeah i mean i think that that as far as like the you know speaking of music videos like edgar wright that is something that's very distinctly him it's his use of music um you know and he makes it a character in his films and so that's why baby driver just completely makes sense you know it's something which that, is by far his most musical film oh I yeah mean, oh, not yeah. just the amount of music but its role in it is yeah definitely like, it is the feature player 
Yeah, and uh, and I definitely wanted to just really quickly um, also call out um, the cinematographer that he's working with um, because this is uh, something that um, yeah is Bill Pope uh-huh. and Bill Pope has done his last three films um, and they all have a very similar look and so I think the Baby Driver just looks amazing like um, you know there's these like kind of very uh, specific lens flares that are used and everything like that and I mean this guy I mean he shot the Matrix well he did Army know? of Darkness that's yeah. what I know him yeah. from yeah like, so. And that it's kind of like you know that's sort of the use of like steady cam and zooms in. Yeah, since Shaun of the Dead comes from, it's like it's kind of aping that sound. It's weird how it's kind of like quick cuts and stuff. It really plays. Sorry, I still, uh, I still very much. I mean, I I want to pour one out for the Edgar Wright Ant Man that we never got. Um, I mean, I just I genuinely think that if Edgar Wright would have been able to make the Ant Man that he wanted to make, like we would have another film that would just be in the pantheon and it would be one of these movies like guardians of the galaxy volume one where it's like you don't look at this as a marvel movie you look at this as an edgar wright movie just the same way as i look at at guardians as a james gunn film and i think that that's what we were talking about when we were talking about wonder woman the point i was trying to make is when you take um it's not even a risk you take it's uh the guy clown was my favorite movie a couple years ago still one of my favorite movies the last few years he's the one who's doing um spider-man homecoming Homecoming. yeah and it's like to go from that in a couple years is amazing sean gunn or Mm -hmm. i'm sorry james gunn to go that way and then um i'm so sorry forgetting her name uh wonder woman uh patty jenkins patty jenkins Jenkins is all i can remember monster i mean she had been a long time but she established her was amazing but it's that that's what you're talking about it's like the morning the not the chance it's like okay you got all these people they got their chance to really shine it's like okay so here's the lesson when you want an amazing job done Right. Uh, like you can pretty much bank on it when but, um, you take the I, risk. I think that we really are about to look at a real um, renaissance of Edgar Wright. And I think that, I mean, this, it, it's funny because he's a legend to people like us, mm-hmm. but I, a lot of people are just learning who this guy is. Yeah. And, and the and, next and... movie that comes out, that's got a hundred million dollar budget. That's triple the budget of baby driver that says from the director of baby driver out there. I mean, that's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. They're not yeah. going to say from the director of Sean of the dead. Yeah. Well, exactly yeah, but you've got well because especially years. when you look at the fact that like he's been involved like even like um the little the don't trailer in grindhouse oh god it was so good so yeah good. totally amazing absolutely and that's just understanding horror and comedy yeah, and yeah, yeah. british horror and then also you know the, the mint royale video which if you guys haven't seen that and you liked baby driver um that is something that um it was a music video from like 2003 um that was basically is the beginning of baby driver yeah. Um, so that's another thing to you seek know, out the, as well. The funniest thing to me, like, was watching Baby Driver, is like Anson Elgort and how he's dressed as Han Solo the entire yeah, time. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. the very first thing. And I, I was just like, oh, that guy should have been Han Solo. Yeah. I just, like, now <laughs> always gonna, you know, say that's the guy that Which I will Han say, Solo. they did a really good job not revealing that in the trailers at all. Uh-huh. That he was dressed like that. Like, you see him and right. you're like, he kind of looks just average, you know. Yeah. But it's just a like, great, you know, because he's yeah. a geek, it's a great. Oh joke, yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Totally. He, kills it. totally. And he, he is an amazing. That's the first film I really have seen him. I, I've never seen. Anselm I've never seen. Him. I've seen him so. uh, I, because I'd seen the Divergent films. Oh, okay. And oh, yes, her, he like, was. I'm sorry, little brother. That I do yeah. remember. Yes, it was him. But he's and such he's a also difference in um, this really shitty YA movie we saw on HBO called Beautiful Creatures. 
I oh, actually like Beautiful Creatures. That was a, um, I like that movie. But it's funny that yeah, you've seen that terrible. and I've seen Divergent and we right. didn't even recognize it. And who's I've... also in, in Beautiful Creatures is Alden Ehrenreich, who is uh, Han Solo. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Han right. Solo. <laughs> so the circle is complete. And I actually <laughs> like Jamie Foxx in something again. I know, I never dude. Thought the I'm day the same way. Come, I don't so. like Jamie Foxx. I you guys really, didn't really like Annie? Don't. Come on. No. I never saw that, <laughs> that version of Annie. I will say the last thing I liked Jamie Foxx in was the uh, Miami Vice remake. Yeah, I did not like him in that. Like, I really don't like Jamie Foxx in almost anything. There's some about him that just really bothers what me. What was the uh, Tom Cruise movie he was in? Collateral. Collateral. Okay, he was good in that. He that was, was good probably in that the last movie. thing I liked. I liked yeah, him the, both of those are Michael yeah. Mann movies. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'll so watch you know any Michael good. Mann movie. I even like Even Ali. Black Hat? Even Black Hat. Well, no. I, I won't go that far. <laughs> I was going to say, let's not I'll say things back. you can't I'll take back. back. Hey, everyone's got to have one in there. But oh, Miami Vice far. had no reason being as good as it is. You know, I actually really liked Miami yeah. Vice. Um, it, I just think it was kind of, I don't know, it was way too slow in some parts of it. But um, but that's okay. Uh, but but yeah, dude, I mean, Edgar Wright, here, I, I really, I'm super happy. I mean, it makes me happy to know that people are appreciating Edgar Wright as much as they are with Baby Driver. Um, and I really think that we have a shot now i mean i could definitely you know what i could see happening yeah. is i could see him doing a hundred million dollar movie that movie knocking out of the park because i don't think edgar wright knows how to do wrong at this point no. and then them giving him an ant-man movie right wouldn't that be funny i mean i hate to say it but like i really do like peyton reed's ant-man movie like my favorite visual tick in that movie mm-hmm. like the uh the joke the tick. you know when it, uh, beat yeah. the one where it's like well my friend said and her friend said and that friend said right right like that was something you know peyton, that's straight no no from, no oh that's really peyton reed he introduced right. that okay okay yeah all right because it feels real edgar it Wright. does but and right. then it was one of those things where i read and later found out no it wasn't also like the fight in the briefcase where they put on the cure yeah. on the phone feels that very edgar awesome. right mm-hmm. you know but yeah it's it's hard to know you know yeah. with all that stuff um, but yeah, Edgar Wright, like he's royalty to us, you know. Yeah, to us, Baby he's Driver royalty. Is an absolute must see this totally. year. I mean, and this is what's funny that Joshua brought. Up. It's I'm very interested in seeing it again with people to watch. Yeah, there. Um, and it's funny. It's one of the first films I've seen in a while. Like I can go see it. Like for like my family, like my father especially. Like the only father movie I go see with my father made this year will be like Dunkirk because mm-hmm, my right. father just likes like war movies. Sure, but he he's the one who introduced me to Bullet and um you know a lot of those kinds of movies and I can imagine him just loving this. So All like right. I'm really excited to see a film where I can introduce it to a lot of people and especially think, with the I weird shit Jasper I watch. Will really yeah, like this movie. you really yeah. will, man. You'll love it. And Definitely. we actually kept it pretty spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Totally. We don't need to spoil the movie. Way to go. The less you know, the better. Yeah. yeah. But and it'll right, work like, out well. Let's just wrap it the up. We can go down know. the road. So yeah. What's your favorite Edgar Wright movie and why? Oh, my God. Don't make me go first. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. Well, I'm pretty sure the world's ends are already pretty jizz covered. So <laughs> you might as well. I mean, look, I mean, I will. I, I really look if we're talking about the Cornetto trilogy, it's yeah. definitely um, the world's end. Um, I need more time. I might say it's Baby Driver, but it, unless this is a cheat, I would actually say that it's Spaced. Spaced okay. is what my favorite Edgar Wright project. Um, you know, it's it's long. I think it's tremendous. I think it's insightful and it's got great action great music in it it's just perfect i would say hot fuzz all the way it's just an absolutely and the one thing i want to say about hot fuzz just my only one or if it's my why 
is because it is an actually one of the few like perfect films. There's nothing I would change about it. Yeah. And not just for in general. I mean, it is in general, but especially for Edgar Wright, there are, I like all of his films. It's just that everyone has a little something I tweak a little bit. Right. Whereas that one, nothing I need to touch ever. Right. Nice. World's end. Gotta go. Gotta it's, go. It's yeah. End. I do. I do like the world's end. The robots. And it's just like there's so the weird like, fight because you're not head. expecting weird, it. Like, I love the weird fight scenes. Like, like the just action figure like t- sockets. Yeah, with the when the when the two twins bump bump into each other right. and then they, it's just like the, the legs for the legs. arms. Yes, it's just so funny, and I like the end. I like the whole commentary on right. nanny culture. Yeah, you know, we all tell you how to do, and everything. that's what I like. I went into that bus, movie yeah. knowing nothing about it. Yeah. So I had no idea what to expect. I just knew it was Edgar Wright and it was uh, Simon Pegg. And I was like, oh, crap. Cool. It's another it's another Shaun of the Deadest. Yeah. Kind of. So, yeah, I had no idea what was coming. So when the robots were introduced and they started, I was like, this is badass. And a nice little surprise. And I so. loved, like, the throwaway Cornetto reference. Like, literally. Right. Like, let's just throw it in there. Literally. I remember when it was called uh, the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy yeah. forever. That was always uh, his name. But I will say... Man, I've never, I mean, out of all the podcasts we've done ever, ours, uh, originally with Victor, Adam, and I, I don't think I've ever wanted to watch a film again so much as <laughs> now I want to watch The World's End, because I only watched right. it theatrically and me like one oh, time yeah. after, oh. and I liked it both times. I just never thought it's that good, really but now I really want to go back and see it again. Especially so. right after Baby Driver. I mean, I think it's actually very similar to that film in terms of like, music again, it's driven. got, it's got yeah. music driven, it's got the Bill Pope cinematography, a lot of lens flare, like very quick cuts. I, I think you'll really dig the movie. Definitely. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, wrapping it up, I think this is one of our longest episodes ever. If you really like Watchmen, you'll like this episode. <laughs> uh, this I was is the director's say, cut, right? I was right? going to say when you were like, I think you'll really like it. And I think you will too. Like, <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> and what, what's uh, happening this weekend, Victor? Uh, Nothing. Yeah. Wait, is it not this? Oh, it's next yeah. weekend. Yeah. It? Sorry. Right. See, I'm, yeah, I'm ne- living in the past. Yeah, next, next weekend, the 15th, we're... Uh, we're doing Conan the Barbarian 35th anniversary, and then we will also be doing uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Nice. All that Edgar yeah, Wright love on uh, on Ju- July 20, I think 9th or 6th, 29th. Do you remember? Uh, no. Well, if we're doing the 15th, that'd be the 29th. Yeah, there yes, you go. That's the 29th. Yeah. There we go. It's See, just I'm so funny. You're like, I'm there. which is perfect. My, <laughs> my abacus is working. It's just funny because you're like, what are you doing my this weekend? Sundial. And in my head, I'm going, I'm building a dog around right? and flushing my radiator, I think. This uh, is working out because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to LA for a music festival on the weekend of like the 21st. So, oh, so there you go. Yeah, that's, cool. that's, that's perfect. So, nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. But yeah, other than that, uh, we, you know, we just tell you to stay tuned to our podcast. We, we're trying to get on this weekly kick. I think we've been doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we got two two episodes last week as a bonus. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and uh, next week we'll be talking uh, some more about Spider-Man more than likely. Ooh, yeah. I think uh, in a couple of weeks we'll be able to talk some more about Ghost Story, which I'm sure yeah. is going to lead us into a discussion on postmodern horror films. And then we'll probably talk about some Planet of the Apes next week. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well. Exactly. I really yeah. want it. I'm but gonna... we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and if you like these more retro retrospectives and um, things like that, you want to hear more in-depth discussion, let us know because that's some of the stuff we're moving towards. For exactly. sure. Exactly. So yeah, until next time, I'm Victor Moreno along with Jasperino, DC, Kirby Nelson, 
and Joshua T. Rue. Let's boo-boo. Boom. So until next time, folks, eat a drumstick for me.